Snoopy gets weird, Shia LaBeouf gets stalked, and News Radio says goodbye to Phil Hartman this week on 30-20-10. Welcome everyone to 302010, the internet's leading look. Back to the week that was 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Get it? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. We're looking at uh, September 21st through the 27th, 1988, 1998, and 2008. And man, I have a lot of crappy cartoon stuff I am excited to talk about. Even though I know the movies get even more insane this week, as does the music. We're going to look at all the movies, the TV, the music, the video games that were released within books. that. W- books. Let's not forget <laughs> one books. One big one. <laughs> even though I never read one. Uh, hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Uh, I'm Diana Goodman, and don't use my private bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Sarah, and Jeremy Irons ruined my week. <laughs> oh, God, did he. <laughs> I can't wait to understand that reference. Uh, it's been teased at me. I did not get to see that film. But, uh, yeah, it's not required that you watch all these films, but they're all notable for a reason. And, once again, it'll kind of help you track where you were and what you were doing uh, by what what... what by what things came out or came on TV around you, even if you weren't, even if you weren't keeping a detailed journal, like uh, 302010 organizes uh, my my nostalgia. Uh-huh. It does tend to do that. It's true. Maybe it'll do that for you, and I encourage you to stick around because we had a lot to talk about today. Beginning as we always do in 1988, September 21st to the 27th, uh, we can start out with a crazy bit of news. Um, <laughs> James. Okay, this is one of my favorite meltdowns ever. Um, and I'm glad it ended with no one getting hurt. If someone got hurt, it wouldn't be funny. But um, James Brown barged into some sort of insurance conference with a shotgun and said someone had been using his private bathroom. (laughs) Now, can you first of all, imagine you're an insurance dude in some sort of conference and James motherfucking Brown kicks in the door (laughs) with a shotgun and starts yelling about people using his bathroom i mean a bunch of white guys elbow each other you put the coat on him. Uh, no you put the coat on him. yeah i mean if you're at an insurance conference you're praying for death i think so i think it's might be like oh okay it's probably the coolest thing that ever happened to them certainly i mean and also he comes in without the introduction about how he's you know mr dynamite soul brother number one the man with the crown james brown <laughs> no you're already confused how was he here so uh he hops in his car uh, and drives away and they call the cops and the cops start following him and it becomes a high-speed chase that goes through two different states. Uh, they shoot out his tires. He he runs a blockade. Then they shoot out his tires and he keeps going for another six miles or so. Jesus oh my God. On the rims till finally uh, they get him out of the car. Uh, he has an unlicensed handgun plus uh, drugs were involved. No shit. Uh, assaulting an officer, evading the police so he got six years uh but he was out in under three he really went to, uh, he really went to jail Wait, for three years he went to prison went, for three years he went to prison oh, he shit. went to actual people prison yes oh, my. because i don't i remember this being talked about was he being filmed as this happened or did no. he do a news interview like around this time and he was like visibly on drugs yeah he had several incidents leading up to this uh with you know domestic violence or shooting guns or drugs you know he he had problems and he had some after this too after he got out he had more problems with drugs and domestic violence and guns Mm. but this is a good one this is one where i mean he went across these lines and now the fbi is involved (laughs) and it's a full-on car chase got up to like 85 miles an hour a couple times wow and yeah there was kind of the fear of like oh my god is james brown gonna get shot i, I imagine cops? even even as cynical as we want to be there was probably some cops like 
do we have to kill James Brown? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Like, can you imagine? Holy shit. I don't want to do that. No one wants to do that. <laughs> uh, that that was fucking nuts. And even if I don't remember that, that was an incident that was talked about for fucking years. Mm-hmm. For years. Yeah. It's, 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 it's insane. I mean, I'm trying to think of like a recent person that like you wouldn't expect that from but you know mm, maybe, maybe like Simpson? chris brown someone is like has a bad <laughs> reputation but has talent mm, mm, i okay. can think of Even another then, notable like i i don't know because james brown was an amazing performer <laughs> but uh problems pcp is a hell of a drug kids Indeed. no doubt and if you could if you know how to score any hit us up 302010.net i've never seen <laughs> oh, it in my God. life Wait, that's, what? that's one of those drugs that's like, why? I don't understand the appeal. Meth, I understand the appeal. Like, all right, we're having fun. Woo, go do stuff. I'm going to clean my house. Whatever. <laughs> I feel great. But PCP, it's like, there's like no pro-PCP propaganda out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, that's it's, true. You take this and you hulk out and then you get killed. <laughs> do you know how many shows I could play on PCP? Send them in, kids. Put your head through a windshield and you don't even feel it. Yeah. Yeah. There's the appeal. Well, Godspeed, James Brown. It, it does suck that I think this incident ended up defining for a little kid like me of the latter portion of his life like he had like oh so many great moments in every other decade <laughs> but, but like you know he didn't have really have much of an album out Look, the at 80s this point. it was a weird time for a lot of people okay yeah. he had yeah. albums out in the early 80s but like around here it was like now we know james brown is crazy mm-hmm. instead of the hardest working man in show business mm-hmm. yeah. um but he, he he won it back see people i'm just i'm saying i'm astonished people have forgotten this and i think move past it See, it can happen. Um, but movies of 1988. 30 years. Yeah. Movies of 1988. Uh, I know you don't want me to talk about Daffy Duck's Quackbusters, mm. but I'm going to anyway. No. I'm gonna, it's, it's important. It's not even a movie. It is a movie. Well, it's got some special stuff to it. Uh, mm. Chief among them, and I'm going to mention Who Framed Roger Rabbit a lot, um, because this, this I think it started earlier, but this is absolutely the last time Mel Blanc would ever voice... Yeah. Uh, yeah, voice a Looney Tune character for the big screen. I think he did wow. a commercial or two, uh, but this is the absolute last time. And yeah, it's a uh, Daffy Duck Quackbuster, but unlike the other ones, which are really weird, uh, the the Fantastic Island parody, the Looney 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 Bugs Bunny movie, the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner movie, they come up with this like awful interstitial that stitches together old 1940s cartoons mm-hmm. with a giant lapse in animation. Uh, one, they elongate the premise of an old 1948 Chuck Jones cartoon um, called uh, Daffy Dill, Daffy Dilly or something like that, where he's just a a door-to-door gag huckster trying to make people laugh, and then strings together other cartoons. But it also had like the last theatrical, like they, there's, it opened with a short that they tried to make of theatrical quality. And it's strange because Daffy drinks something in this clip that makes him sound different. So you're going to get two Mel's, you're going to get Mel Blank sounding very old mm-hmm. and then you're gonna get mel torme which is the voice daffy earns after he drinks the serum hey this stuff works great doesn't he sound old yeah doesn't he sound yeah. old it's a it's a bit of a bummer but he's got two years left to live at this point um but yeah daffy ducks classic Busters, and that, that original short was called night of the living duck uh, and that's but all. Now it had a theatrical release. It did. A bunch oh, okay. of these movies had theatrical releases, huh. but they're not like Diana said. They're not full movies. Oh, gotcha. They're, they're, the only thing that survives of this entire format is a little joke on The Simpsons in the Itchy and Scratchy movie episode. Thirty mm. percent new footage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. <laughs> um, I have no idea what any of the rest of the shit is, though. Jesus. 
All right, let me blow through them. Um, Because none of them are especially notable. Sweetheart's Dance, starring Don Johnson, Susan Serena, Jeff Daniels, Elizabeth Perkins, uh, is about two small town couples, uh, I believe in like the late 50s, early 60s, their lives, their loves, their troubles. Um, It it became slightly more notable two years ago because uh, it was filmed on location in Burlington, Vermont, and it features a cameo by then Burlington, Vermont Mayor Bernie Sanders. Oh. I'm only in 1% of this movie. Yeah, so what do you look like 30 years ago? Like the safe. Oh, the safe. oh, really? Even when I was younger, he looked uh, the He came he out of the, the womb same. looking like that. Yeah, horribly. A little bit more hair. It's a little darker, but uh, yeah. When he was six years old, he was an old Jewish man. Yeah. Uh, and Jesus, uh, man, that title. You guarantee little Chris would be really pissed off to have to see this film. Sweetheart's Dance. But uh, also Kansas. That sounds boring as hell. Kansas, boy, this was what, uh, yeah, SEO was not a thing back then. They didn't care about uh, search engines. So it took me a while to find Kansas starring Matt Dillon and Andrew McCarthy, which is about Andrew McCarthy is a guy who goes back to his rural hometown and he meets Matt Dillon, (laughs) who is like a skeezy bank robber. Okay, no. Homo type. And it's like, okay. No, um, both both of these movies have like okay-ish reviews. This is the sort of thing like, well, if you happen to catch it, I'm sure you're not wasting your time, but Wouldn't I don't care. Go out of your way to seek them out necessarily. Hell no. No, we have much better things to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we We're, do. I'm just going to speed through these. And then we got Spellbinder starring Tim Daly as a schmuck who uh, has uh, starts dating Kelly Preston, but she's a Satanist and then what? he's cursed now. Oh, that's, that sounds excellent. Okay, that kind of sounds fun. I love uh, anything having to do with Satanists. They <laughs> spellbinder. I expected some like magical, cheap, never-ending story ripoff, and now mm-hmm. I want to see it. Mm-hmm. Patty Hearst. No. I have no idea what that's about. Yeah, never heard of her <laughs> or it or anything about it. Natasha Richardson, William Forsyth, Ving Rhames, uh, Francis Fisher, and Dana Delaney. And uh, yeah, this. this morning, there was a bank robbery at the First Hibernia Bank of San Francisco. Witnesses, but what actually happened? could only have been known by one person. What are you going to do to me? Take off your blindfold. Now, 14 years later, her story is about to be told. Welcome. You're now a guerrilla fighter in the Symbionese Liberation Army. Patty Hearst. Whoa, like I, I didn't. I never heard of Ving Rhames before Pulp Fiction. That is yeah. very clearly his voice in a yep. 1988 this trailer. This is one of his first roles. Wow. Uh, he had like a couple other small parts. This is his first like decent sized part, I would say. That's Stockholm um, Syndrome fucking with you. Yeah. Um, I can't do a Ving Rhames impression. Jesus, listen to my either. voice. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's directed by Paul Schrader. And Damn. it got only middling reviews, but I think the most interesting thing about it that makes me actually kind of want to watch it is that it's really told from her perspective. We don't hmm. get the sort of God's eye procedural view. Uh, people leave her side of the story out like every time they tell this story of yeah. the, the is this the most famous instance of Stockholm Syndrome? A kidnapped woman who ends up yeah. becoming one so. of the bank robbers? Yeah. 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 I mean, and it, they... They did everything right to break her. You know, they locked her in a closet and beat her repeatedly and mm-hmm. made her think no one's coming for her. And then they start being nice to her and she just doesn't know what to think anymore. And, you know, 
Uh, mm. Luckily for her, but unfortunately for everyone else, you know, when she finally was arrested and went to jail, not long after we had the Jonestown thing where they saw, oh, 900 people could decide to kill themselves. So brainwashing, maybe that is a thing. One person could be convinced to mm. join a group and rob a bank. But no, I mean, the performances are supposed to be really good. Most of the reviews were just sort of like, yeah, that was okay. But the idea of telling a kidnapping story and keeping it in her perspective mm -hmm. and not knowing like, what are the cops doing or what are these guys talking about or what are her parents doing? Like, okay, um, I, I, you have my attention now. And uh, I personally think we should have more movie titles with the word gorillas in it. Ooh, uh, this one. Because there's only one Oof. that I can think of other than whatever the gorillas are going to do with their movie um, whenever that happens. But this one, my dad is kind of an environmental type. This was mm -hmm. on all the time in my house. So I kind of like hate it, even though mm -hmm. I don't know that I've ever watched it all the way through. Okay. It was just rented constantly when I was a little kid. We're listening to Miss with Sigourney Weaver and Brian Brown. Sigourney Weaver is Diane Fossey. Diane, we can't stay on this mountain forever. No! Her heart would lead her to Africa. Her dream would become an obsession. Are you responsible for kidnapping this animal? You love saying, madam. Her life would become legend. This won't stop until those butchers are stopped. Get off my mountain! Gorillas in the Mist. I'm there, Ooh, baby. This movie. Okay. With unsolved mysteries music? So, well, because it is an unsolved mystery at the end. Is it? Yes. Yeah, so, her story ends with her getting murdered. Um, That's right. Like, and they still haven't figured out who did it. Obviously, it was definitely some poachers. Like, I have very. When I saw this was coming up, I was like, oh, I got some feelings about this because and I talked to him. I actually was with my parents this weekend and I asked my mom, mom, do you remember watching Gorillas in the Mist? And she was like, yeah, and I think it's one of my first memories is actually watching this with my parents because I was like I feel. three or four. I was I was older, but. I think I probably saw this when I was four because they would have rented it. And mm -hmm. I remember watching it with my parents. And the first time I f knew what like poaching was, mm -hmm. I remember mm -hmm. feeling like so disturbed by like the imagery of like these people cutting off these beautiful gorilla's hands and stuff. And I went back and revisited this for research this week. And yeah, it's just as disturbing and just as um, affecting. I mean, Sigour Sigourney Weaver is just relevatory in this yeah, too. Dude. She really oh, is yeah. amazing. And, and I think marrying what to a little kid is a pretty boring adult movie. Like mm. the gorilla effects. It's like Rick Baker. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, like a bunch of amazing gorilla suits. It's unbelievable. Like when you see the scenes of her like integrating herself with the 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 pack yeah. is just like it's really touching and amazing and you know i went back and did a little bit of research and you know they worked with some real gorillas they worked with some people in gorilla outfits pretty dangerous I very believe. dangerous <laughs> and in fact all the scenes that they had with there's a lot of stuff with baby gorillas and like trying to protect them and they actually used chimpanzees that they mm. put in blackface and put little wigs on what? them for them to look like baby gorillas <laughs> because it was too dangerous to work with actual baby gorillas because the adult gorillas would try to defend them and would yeah. charge the like human actors yeah. basically. And they all get harambe and we, yeah. where would we be now? Like it would be awful. And watching this too, like as an adult when it's just like the knowledge of how the world works is also extremely conflicting because there is a perspective in the movie where it's like, look, like these poachers, it's a terrible thing that they're doing, but they are also, this is how they're supporting their family in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And it, like mm -hmm. looking at it from that perspective is like, it is conflicting. It's, it's a real, it's a, 
great it watch. Is. It's a hard movie to watch, but That's in a lot of ways. the solution to poaching is and always has been mm-hmm. hunting down the people who buy things from poachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you have, I was yeah. going to say that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the, the poachers who are killing gorillas for their hands to make ashtrays out of. Yeah. yeah. Those people are garbage. But if no one wanted to buy that, they wouldn't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. If you can't live the rest of your life without a salt shaker made of an elephant tusk, you mm-hmm. deserve to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just that simple. Yeah, it's it's an excellent movie. It's all based on a true story. Diane Fossey, she's a real person. She really did get murdered mysteriously, not so mysteriously, probably by poachers. Um, but the other interesting thing, too, is that like you watch her kind of descend into almost like mental illness almost with how much she... She, she gets pretty aggressive and a bit crazy. Yes. I mean, that's one of the only parts that I remember really clearly is when... There's like a rumor that she's she's a witch, and she starts mm-hmm. really like leaning into mm-hmm. that of like mm. wearing scary masks to, mm-hmm. to interrogate people and being like, <laughs> yeah. yes, I have I have powers. Leave the girl is alone." <laughs> it's kind of amazing, and I read that like the per the people who actually knew Diane Fossey were they were like, yeah. This was very tame. This movie, she was actually much Whoa. more insane than how they portrayed her. Come home, Diane. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's like like Grizzly Lady. Yes, <laughs> basic, like... basically, yeah. yes, more, except for more Kelly. academic, not yeah. just like sure. I just like hanging out with the monsters. Mm-hmm. Sure, but like when you watch that uh, Grizzly Man guy, where he thinks he's like the only gateway of protection to these things that have been surviving on their own for years, and he descends into some form of mad, like quixotic madness, mm-hmm. where he thinks he's. The only person who can protect And that's girls. not necessarily the case here because Diane Fossey has been credited with preserving a lot, you know, protecting gorillas from extinction. Yes. Like, you know, so I mean, like, she really did do a thing, but whew, it is a great, great movie. And Sigourney Weaver won a Golden Globe for this, so, and it, rightly so. Got a bunch of nominations too. So then, why why are you and Diane are all giddy to talk about the movie that's number one at the box office? (laughs) Oh, this movie! Woo! I don't know anything about it. Uh, Jeremy Irons and Genevieve Bujold. I'm not saying that right. It's pretty good. Uh, It's not terrible. Close enough. Genevieve Bujold. Bujold and uh, Dead Ringers. This has been Doctor Beverly Mantle. By every scientific measure, they are absolutely the same. They share everything. You haven't had any experience until I've had it too. Bev, you've got to try the movie star. She's unbelievable. Doctor, you've cured me. You mean to say there's two of them? They're twins, dear. I think we should drop her, Bev. You drop her. Wow, Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons. Ooh, uh, this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Please tell me more. David Cronenberg? What the mm-hmm. fuck? Very David Cronenberg. A mm-hmm. lot of the ads play up the David Cronenberg. Like, you remember The Fly? Mm-hmm. Remember mm-hmm. how that was disturbing? Well, now it stars gynecologists. Imagine <laughs> it with vaginas. Twin gynecologists. Jesus. Twin crazy gynecologists mm-hmm. in a Cronenberg movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, Cronenberg loves weird shapes and weird fleshy things, and they start building devices and tools that are like hr geiger would look at and go yes. like, mm, guys that's a little far yep mm-hmm. yeah it's Definitely. it's a disturbing movie but especially if you're a woman oh yeah, yeah. like a, a speculum made of salt one. oh <laughs> you don't even this, know that this is number one kind of blows my mind it's like, yeah. Yeah. for halloween yet um yeah it's it's a horror movie i mean it's a horror movie and it's disturbing as hell 
It is. It's like, it shocks me that this is number one, but I'm actually kind of like, so I had actually never seen a Cronenberg before this movie. And oh, I, sweet had, Jesus. I had heard, uh, I mean, I'm familiar with The Fly and I'm familiar with the Cronenberg deal. Like, I get it, but I had actually never seen, new flesh. <laughs> I've never seen a full one. And so when I saw this is coming up, I was like, okay, this is the one I've heard a lot about. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely want to watch it. I watched it last night, you guys. Mm-hmm love this movie oh, really? i like went into it thinking i'm gonna hate every second of this but i'm doing it because i am a scholar <laughs> and <laughs> i have a job. job to do <laughs> and i actually came out of it loving it like i don't know why it's so creepy it's so effective in everything that it's doing it it absolutely like achieves its uh, goal so cronenberg's yeah. kind of infamous for body horror mm-hmm. really? and it's this is definitely it's not as gory as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's it's they leave it to your imagination. It, which is it's worse, implied mm-hmm. uh, weird stuff, which is what he does more. I feel mm-hmm. like that's that's where he's really good. I mean, when you there's when you see like Jeff Goldblum as like full Brundlefly, that's really icky. Mm-hmm. But it's <laughs> it's the where it's the transformation that's mm-hmm. the most disturbing part. You know, it's where he's mostly human, but like stuff's falling off of him now Mm -hmm. like that's when something's more recognizable and it's more sort of in your head Mm -hmm. then it is much more effective and jeremy irons is fucking great he is brilliant he's so good in this and like the portrayal of the twins and there were and it was it's so effective because like throughout the movie there are definitely times where i'm like i can tell the difference between these two like the way he's playing them and then sometimes i can't and that is absolutely Mm -hmm. on purpose because the the idea is that they are both having sex with this woman who is also a patient of theirs who also has a trifurcate uterus which means her uterus has three openings oh Three cervixes, I guess, um, oh, in a way, yeah. which is a real thing that does happen sometimes. All right. Um, That's a lot of things to hit. one twin gets more obsessed with her and than the other one. Mm. And then there's a lot of 80s drugs that start happening as well. <laughs> Ooh, give me some glass. <laughs> like some barbiturates, <laughs> your uppers, your downers, your bennies, your, your goofballs. Your ice. Yeah. Your- <laughs> And so there's a real descent into madness that happens. And because they're twins, there's a lot of weird twin stuff that goes on. It, I love, I really, really liked this movie quite a bit. Fuck. I absolutely recommend. Fuck. I, I, yeah. I, I thought I'd gone down the whole Cronenberg path and I've never heard of this until we started talking about it. Uh, oh, shame. man. Now, shame. I would, for top five Cronenberg, I'd probably put it in there. It's definitely emblematic of his style and also just damn good. Yeah. Really good. So effective. Mm. Well, we got to move out of uh, movies because, man, there are a lot of movies to talk about this week. Not a lot of television. And I'm going to try not to bore you with details about a cartoon, even though it is important. But first, oh, man, R.I.P. Gary Shandling. Definitely check out the uh, that HBO documentary, Judd Apatow, uh, got made a little while back. But I uh, love Gary Shandling, and I never really got to see an, uh, many of his comedy specials until HBO went streaming because, yeah. I don't know, there was like nowhere to find them. Mm-hmm. But uh, Gary Shandling is amazing, and this is uh, Alone in Vegas. It aired on the 24th of September. So this this little clip that I pulled is not actually from his stand-up, which is very good. Mm-hmm. This is actually a, like, 12-minute long, like, little opening skit that he does. Oh, I, I miss those so much in stand-up specials. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> this one is, like, long. It's one of the longer ones I've seen, <laughs> and it, like, goes from him, like, being in L.A., and then he's going to Vegas by himself 
and kind of goes through him like going to the hotel and then he's by the pool and it's all these like little skits and stuff. Looking very uncomfortable. Yeah, I pulled a little (laughs) bit from there because the stand-up is great too, but this is kind of unique in its 80s-ness. Don't you think? Anyway, I'm a comedian and I'm going to Las Vegas to do my show and uh, I'm taking my girlfriend Patty. Patty goes with me everywhere. Hi, Patty, it's Gary. Honey, don't hang up. What do you mean you're not going to Las Vegas with me? Honey, we can work things out there. Vegas is very romantic. We can gamble. Hoover Dam is there. It'll be great. No, No, you can't bring a guy named Dave. This girl's a major problem. What's this guy Dave got that I don't have? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Patty, sex isn't that important. (laughs) It is not. It is not. Listen, how about for money? Will you come for money? I'll pay it like a... Well, wait a minute. That amount hurts me, Patty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just really... I don't know. It's uh, great. Gary it's very Shanley. Gary Shanley. And this is, I think, his first special that we really get in it, this form. Let's not, let's please approach. It's, that is a great title. Yeah. Alone in Vegas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always how I feel when I go there. It's all on YouTube. So I would Ooh. definitely say check it out. Um, and I'm going to try and keep this brief because I love you ladies and I want to be merciful. But this is really important. Uh, a Charlie Brown special airs this week. And it's called It's the Girl in the Red Truck, Charlie Brown. So we might not have known this about Charles Schultz, but he did take a lot of pride in like uh, these specials. He wrote most of these specials um, with with the help of Bill Melendez. Um, he even the MetLife commercials. He was like proud to draw and make himself. He like was very proud of that, and he said he was trying to make the Citizen Kane of Peanut specials. Oh boy! And he mm-hmm. and he admittedly says in this case he failed. A peanut special that went over budget by millions, uh, does not star any of the peanuts that you know, and is mostly live action and starring his daughter. Oh my god. It's, what? It, yes. It stars primarily Snoopy's cousin Spike, which if you were, uh, Diana was recording with me the other day, that's actually who I was wearing on my shirt. I mm-hmm. love Spike. Mm-hmm. I'm, I love I'm Spike. the one. Uh, but this stars Spike and this, uh, Woman in a red truck he sees go by every day. He wonders whatever happens to her. And it's this aerobics teacher who wants to have the special audition. And I, I, I just have to play this clip and tell you once again, this is a Charles Schultz-led peanut special. Oh, boy. Oh, you know what? I almost forgot. You remember George Stevens? We had that astronomy class with him at UCLA. He sat behind us. The guy who always carried his lunch to campus in a baggie. <laughs> well, he's changed a little bit since then forgot about those baggies. Anyway, we share some of the same clients now. And he came by the office this afternoon and gave me this to give to you. It's a project he's working on, and uh, I told him he might be interested. So you don't have any Vince Garaldi music. Spike doesn't talk. He doesn't even, like, really groan like Snoopy, but he's in these shots. And they were talking, like, they just wanted... he. He wanted to do something super important, and, and most of the reviewers who talk about it, like, we wouldn't judge this as harshly if this hadn't come out two months after Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm. You did the best you could to mix live action with animation, but we just saw the ultimate version of that. And this is very strange. It's very, very weird, because a lot of it just takes place in the desert with one animated character who doesn't speak. Yeah, uh, It has been kind of scrubbed from the world. Um, I'm surprised I was even like it was hard enough to find this clip. I 
have access to dark portals of the internet with peanut specials, and mm-hmm. I couldn't find this whole thing. There There's are, a lot of peanut specials on the dark web. There are. There are. There are a lot of stuff that's caught up in right, Joe. Sure. You don't want to see that episode where the little girl gets cancer. That was another <laughs> episode he's really proud of. Um, but yeah, it's called It's the Girl in the Red Truck. If you have this on VHS, you're sitting on kind of what I consider an heirloom, because mm. uh, this, this is not easy to find. But yeah, Spike starring... Live action hybrid Charlie Brown special, and Charlie Brown wouldn't be in it except they had to kind of introduce the concept and who the character was because it didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, but a very ambitious, fucking weird Charlie Brown special, and that is it. If, if it were just Spike doing Spike stuff, like there's one special where he's trying to get to right. Snoopy's wedding. And yeah, there's lots of like silent comedy bits with Spike. No, yeah, he was he was a I don't. He was I don't a, understand why the why there's live action stuff with really boring conversation. Yeah, Spike was a focal point in one of the films. Like he was a huge highlight. So like yeah, it, it's not like it's just a very 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 odd decision. And I would really really like to watch the whole thing again. I'm gonna move on to games real fast because there's so many NES ports we haven't truly celebrated uh, in the month of September with not a lot of concrete dates. Adventure Island, Galaga, Exevious, all that. But the I want to give a big ass shout out to Konami's Jackal which is one of the few games I've ever seen develop into a full-on fistfight in my living room. It was just, it was, there was not a lot of, not as many co-op games as you would think on the NES where two people could play at the same time. You had two controller ports, but you rarely ever were able to play the same game at the same time. You had to pass the controller. And this even, you had a badass Jeep that you both could ride in, somebody could pilot, you could use the gun. It's really fucking neat. I really love this game. Uh, I never hear anybody celebrate, but we had a ton of fun. And yeah, I watched, uh, my buddy Chris and his brother Aaron ripped my NES out of the wall over the game Jack oh and Jack. And my parents were like, that's it. No more video games ever. Like, good. <laughs> what you did. Uh, but yes, Jackal, I love you. Um, let's get into the music of 1988 real Wait, fast. Hold mm-hmm. up. Oh, we book. Have a huge book. Huge book. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Satanic Verses. Oh, really? <laughs> that oh. was released in the UK mm. this week. Um, doesn't get released in the United States for quite some time. Too satany. And it doesn't get a huge amount of the publicity doesn't start regarding the fatwa and everything until February of next year. And so we can talk about it further then. But this is a huge book. This is a really big deal that this gets released. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's very timely. Exactly. I know. More Salman Rushdie news coming up. We'll Mm. talk about Uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, I mean, he insulted Islam, so uh, let's kill him. Mm, there you go. Yeah, I just that really sums it all. <laughs> him appearing in public is kind of a recent development. That yeah, dude, that dude yeah. went underground. It truly is. I mean, the I find it all extremely fascinating. I'm actually reading the Satanic verses right now, um, in preparation for all of this. And I don't know, it has have you guys read any Salman Rushdie? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shame is one of my favorite novels ever. Oh, it's like... It's amazing. Reading his work, though, is a project. It is yeah. not... It's not it something... It dense. It is dense. It's in that, that um, magical realism is something that you just always want to take a little extra time with, which is it's taken me a little bit longer than I'm used to, to Because I've read I read The Ground Beneath Her Feet uh, several mm-hmm. years ago, which I loved. Speaking of dense, which is just so many references Ooh. and like little snippets of things Dude. and allusions to other things. Yeah, that yeah. was... You kind of want to get through. You kind of want to read it with a reader next to you, like a, a reference. <laughs> like, could next you, to you annotate this? Because you <laughs> yeah. just made like sixteen references in one sentence. Basically, yeah. It kind, it's kind. Well, 
anything that Sam Rushdie writes, especially now those satanic verses, I kind of wish I was reading it in a class so that I could get all the references, make sure I was getting them. But um, but yeah, so it's released in the UK, and I do think it it takes a little while to get the amount of attention that it eventually builds to later on. And we can talk about the fatwa when it actually gets issued next year. Um, but it's it's excellent. I mean, it's like considered one of the great works of the past 50 years, 100 years. It's a huge book, man. And it's why a big deal. It? Well, because you're dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You See, don't. That's all I needed. No, I'm just kidding. No, I agree. Just maybe you just think it's boring because it's about some guys and then they're on an island and about the yeah. idea of whether Satan put verses into the Quran to trick everybody. That mm-hmm. is literally the longest description of this book I've ever heard in my life. I mean, in a nutshell, and I'm still reading mm-hmm. it, so like I don't feel like I'm necessarily the authority to talk about, but it is like two people who are on a hijacked plane that explodes and they fall to earth, but they are spared. And they go on, but there are many other, within that, there are dream sequences that are intense to read and figure out what's happening. And part of that is kind of a retelling of the story of Muhammad, which involves the idea that some of the verses that were put into the Quran, maybe were put there by Satan to tempt people in one way or the other, hence fatwa. I don't want to see our comments this week. (laughs) Uh, Oh. No, we'll get moving to music. So, we yeah. didn't write it. Yeah. We didn't write our book. We can talk. Complain to Salman Rushdie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's still out there. Come I'm, on, get him. But I do remember in the 80s, my parents having it on their bookshelf, and they read it. And me, as a small Catholic, both in stature and in age. <laughs> I believe in free speech, too, mommy and daddy. Yeah, that's exactly how I said it. Um, seeing like this book called The Satanic Verses on the bookshelf and being like, right, ah, what's right, happening? Right. <laughs> oh, God, why is this here? We are is that, damned. Is, that's how you sounded as a kid? Yes. Heavens. Oh, my pearls. <laughs> yeah, obviously, that's definitely how I sounded. <laughs> my word. Put on gorillas in the bisque, mummy. What will the kids at the slip and slide party think of me? <laughs> Um, <laughs> 100% that's how I thought it No kitty get off the mixer um, <laughs> But we have some music this week uh, For 1988 September 21st to the 27th the New releases in fact Pound for Pound by Anvil uh, Vixen self-titled debut It Takes Two by Rob Bass And DJ Easy Rock Land of Dreams by Randy Newman And oh they might be giants Lincoln Anna Ang is one of my favorite songs ever uh, Don't and worry that's what we would have gone out with Except <laughs> I'm sure it'll hit God, number one eventually God no. damn it Yuck Don't worry be happy by Bobby McFerrin is I mean one. So much yuck This was like Okay so I'm guessing I've always guessed I've never looked into it That he was a super respected musician before this And this yeah. is his This is his like big sellout hit because this is a huge hit with not only like adults, but kids love this oh, song. I remember this music video being on something that I watched a lot. So yeah. it might have been on PBS, right. maybe. Or with Robin Williams in it. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so did they show it on Sesame Street, maybe, or Reading Rainbow? Or, I don't know. I, or maybe as an interstitial on Disney Channel? I mean, they used to show music videos on like every channel. Yeah. MTV was the only one like, no, this is all we show. Yeah, okay. But, uh, I definitely remember a lot of music videos on It's Disney. really annoying, but Bobby McFerrin had been around for a while and was a, still around and has a ton of other albums. I just think this is his one breakthrough hit. He's mm. the furthest thing from a one-hit wonder, especially if you're someone with the taste of <gasps> my dad. Uh, but we, we will close out uh, with Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy. We will meet back up with you once again in 1998. Every life we have some trouble But when you worry, you make it double Don't worry 
Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Thirty twenty tenors. We've had to talk about some pretty adult stuff as of late, but how about a new one that we've never discussed before? Your investment portfolio or the stock market. I won't pretend to be an expert, but Robinhood is an app that's making it a little easier for me. And right now, Robinhood is giving you listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. You can sign up at t3podcast.robinhood.com. That's t3podcast.robinhood.com. That's T and a three, people. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptocurrencies all commission-free. They're trying to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. And having played around with the app myself, Robinhood is a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. It's got a simple and intuitive clear design and data presented in an easy-to-go game. Cool! And you can't stress the importance of the low cost and no commission fees. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. Trade stocks and keep all of your profits. And once again, Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock. Seriously, like Apple or Sprint or Ford to help build your portfolio. And you can get it by signing up at t3podcast.robinhood.com. That's T3, like Terminator 3, podcast.robinhood.com. Yo, Keith Sweat and Snoop D-O-double-G. Real players doing this VIP. You feel me? So all the ladies that want to get with us, you got to be special. VIP, come get with me. Mm. Goodness greetness, Snoop and Keith, sweat, a double dose of this triple threat. Yeah, more wet, wet, star in the glass. Here's a toast to the food that let you slip through with no pass. All access, you can jump in the test. When we through parlaying, you dig what I'm saying? You look good, girl, but you look better if you was with me. Get in when you fit in, let's do this VIP. Look at your shorty. Coming in with Come and Get With Me by Keith Sweat featuring Snoop Dogg off of Still in the Game. Uh, I'm guessing that is out this week. Uh, we also have new releases, Electroshock Blues by Eel. By the Eels. Is it the Eels? I think so, right? Okay, I've heard of them. it's just Eel. Oh, is he just Eel at that point? Don't know. Don't no. know. I well, def- regardless, it's else. very good. I definitely remember www.thug.com by Trick Daddy. That is a very memorable album cover. Uh, Tomorrow Hit Today by Mud Honey, Supernatural, the first album by DC Talk. Final no, album. The final DC album. I was going to say because like I went to Christian camp and DC Talk was played a lot. Uh, they had a very popular cover on Lean On Me that is now terrible. Step Inside This House by Lyle Lovett. Speak of the Devil by Chris Isaac. Uh, Rass Assassination by Rass Cass. Uh, Psycho Circus by Kiss. Uh, Moon Picks by Cat Power. Dizzy Up the Girl by the Goo Goo Dolls. Uh, and Cosas del Amor by Enrique Iglesias. But none of them can topple the mighty Aerosmith with their I Don't Want to Miss a Thing cover or whatever. I guess someone corrected me that it's not. A, it is a cover, uh, if I'm not no. mistaken. They didn't write it. Yeah, but it's not a cover. I doubt, yeah, anyway. Uh, we got a little bit of news to top us off. Uh, and I'm once again to throw to Diana for 1998. September yeah. 21st through the 27th. Uh, what All is this right, news so about? Now we find out 10, 10 years to the week, uh, Iranian President Khatami re- retracted the official 
government fatwa against Salman Rushdie saying that he deserved to die for the satanic verses. Yeah, but with a caveat, because (laughs) recently Iranian television reported (laughs) reported that (laughs) the fatwa is actually technically still in existence because it can only be retracted by the person who put it in place. And since Khomeini is dead, it's still Uh, in place. Guys, I mean, we were going to encounter this one at some point. Also, fairly recently, like in the past... 10 years, like another 600,000 was pledged to it. So now the bounty on his head is technically up to like $2.8 million. Then I propose a reverse fatwa. I have no idea what I mean by that. you know that fatwa sex, it's so good. (laughs) It does sound exciting. Curb your enthusiasm, y'all. Oh, yeah. That did happen. So, yeah. So I don't think I told the story, but back in like May or so of 98, uh, I saw Selman Rushdie live (gasps) and the security on it was crazy pants and i found out later that's like it's reading because he has a, a memoir out about his time hiding from you know all these fat, the fatwa and stuff called gosh what's it called joseph anton and mm-hmm. it's very good it's very interesting but i found out that uh this appearance that he made at my university when i was in england was like right around the time he got rid of his government security went to uh private security because he was like fighting with the government about what mm. he was allowed to do and where he's allowed mm-hmm. to go we didn't know he was coming um like wow. that morning all of a sudden there were flyers up in the English department, which said like, if you are a literature student, you can come see this, but nobody else can. Wow. That's amazing. The, the lecture hall was closed off for the day. I saw bomb sniffing dogs around <gasps> mm. and I only managed to get in because their department structure was really weird. And instead of English literature as a department, it was English and American studies, Oh, which is very vague because it also included politics and history and <laughs> geography and cinema studies yay so i managed to get in that's awesome and it was cool he read from harun in the sea of stories and from shame and answered questions and uh seemed like a pretty chill dude well yeah i mean like by all accounts he's kind of an asshole <laughs> yeah but most people are true well like i said most artists are certainly Certainly yeah. a lot of the great ones are. But yeah, I mean, like the his government protection was started by Margaret Thatcher, like when the fatwa was mm. first put in place. Yeah, I guess around this time, he must have been trying to shake it off a little bit. He's uh, It's a fascinating story, like super interesting. Yeah, so I totally, Joseph Anton is a, it's an interesting book. It's not as tough a read. Mm. <laughs> as has his magical so realism. He can, he can blow through it pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. Also, Salman Rushdie is like one of the, uh, one of my favorite storylines in Seinfeld, the episode of Seinfeld, where Kramer thinks he sees Salman Rushdie at the, <laughs> at the, um, gym and he introduces himself <laughs> to the guy and the guy's name is, he introduces himself as Sal Bass. <laughs> Sal, like salmon, bass, like a fish. It's definitely <laughs> Wow. Well, you know what, what you know what else is an easy read? Hmm. Movies. <laughs> tends to be the attitude my brain takes. because uh, num- Rush Hour is still number one at the box office and probably will be for a for a hot second. That movie was crazy popular in nineteen ninety eight. But new releases, uh movie wise, September twenty first to twenty seventh. I, I'm I'm happy to see some straight to video stuff in here. It's just that it was so not clip worthy, mm-hmm. and I went through it because Tim Curry is not a bad Gomez Adams. Oh, I I that can imagine. True. I'm sure he's great. And Adams, and, along with Daryl Hannah as Morticia in okay. Adams Family Reunion. There's no one else of note playing the rest of the cast, but it's not like that movie had anywhere else to go. Mm. 
Um, and this is from Saban, the people who brought you Power Rangers. Gotcha. Have oh, now, yeah, um, years after one of the greatest movies ever made, the second best Thanksgiving movie ever made behind Plane, Trains, and Automobiles, Adam's Family Values. Oh, amen. Mm-hmm. Thank you, God. Amen. I fucking love I that movie. Hard, I wholeheartedly agree. Adam's Family Values is, I love that movie so much. Because I don't think they would have stopped if, I, I think Adam's Family Values didn't, have a big box office return but like you lost your patriarch of the goddamn series mm, like you'd yeah. never be able to get that back um so yes yeah, saban the power rangers people bought it up uh and speaking to direct the vhs this really confused me because i was there for the casper movie me day too. one in With 1995 Devin Sawa. is was he in that i did not know she that was casper what he's, am i wrong he's the ghost yeah he takes human form at the end it's Devin Sawa. Oh, yeah dude yeah i think you're whoosh. right Oh my God! It's been a while. Rest in peace. It's probably it's probably the weirdest uh, Dan Aykroyd Ghostbusters cameo you've ever seen in your entire Ooh, life. Yes, you're right. But even weirder, Kathy Moriarty is in that movie uh, and in this other straight to DVD, straight to VHS Harvey Tunes movie. Yeah, I have a bunch of Harvey Tunes stuff. I'm the fan. What's Harvey Tunes? Uh, Harvey Tunes is like Casper, Baby Huey, Wendy gotcha. the Witch. Gotcha. Uh, basically, a bunch of things uh, children and adults wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. For some reason, I inherited a bunch of 60s comics, and I've read a ton of this stuff. Uh, Casper Meets Wendy comes straight to uh, VHS, starring Hilary Duff. And Kathy Moriarty is in this, too. Hmm. Another Casper movie, but a different character. <laughs> why we? Why confuse us? Uh, Shelley Duvall and Terry Garr are also in it. And I wish we had a clip. Uh, but I'll tell you what I did see in the theater that week. I saw Clay Pigeons. I Be- did too. Because I was like... I don't know why. I I, I remember because I was blown away. Like ever since I saw Joaquin Phoenix and To Die For, uh, loved him. Uh, yeah, you're right. Madly in yeah, love with yeah. with Janine Garofalo. And mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn, like, oh shit, dude, you're awesome. <laughs> like Swingers was so good. I want to learn to swing dance and call people money. I love Vince Vaughn at the time. You're so money, baby. uh, And this is like a serious movie. Don't. I know, I know. (laughs) I'm going to do it. Sorry, I hate Swingers. I hate that movie. No, no, I'm I'm with you now. I'm with you now. Thank you. Lord does tend to catch up with me. I never, (laughs) I've never seen it. I just absorb the culture. I told you, I went to swing dance lessons during that time period where I learned all the boy parts. Yeah. Yeah, I was All into the words it. Of the cherry pop and daddy song. Yeah, that Gap commercial was like my Bible <laughs> for a long time. Jump, jive, and wail. Out of here! I don't want to hear any more swing dance talk. Anyway, <laughs> play pigeons. Play pigeons. <laughs> where uh, Vince Vaughn plays a potential serial killer or definite serial killer. Definite serial. Killer. Definite serial killer. Um, but yes, clay pigeons. I was there day one, and it bored the hell out of my friends and I. Whoa! You're standing in evidence, Barney. Your deputy's name is Barney. This fall. Meet a good guy with one bad habit. I'm Lester Long. Lester the, uh, Molester. Vince Vaughn, Janine Garofalo, and Joaquin Phoenix. Morning, Clay. You doing okay back there? You set me up. <laughs> Clay Pigeons. Ooh, yeah. I need to see this. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. No? No, it's it's unessential Damn. viewing. Damn. No, I mean, Janine Garofalo was an FBI agent. It's pretty funny mm-hmm. as an idea. I remember it opens with a pretty funny, like, short bit where... Joaquin Phoenix has been sleeping with his best friend's wife and his best friend is going to kill himself in a manner that makes it look like Joaquin killed him and he does it in a real sloppy way where it's like oh yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot myself but I'm gonna do it multiple times because who would shoot themselves multiple times <laughs> yep they're gonna come arrest you for this ha 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 but like the parts don't add up to a good hole mm, I just thought it, it was odd it's the movie directorial debut of uh, Devin what's his name David Dobkin 
who would go on to direct Wedding Crashers and hmm. Fred Claus oh. and a bunch of other barely tolerable Vince Vaughn so stuff. So he's Vince Vaughn's friend. Right. Yeah. Well, I think this is where it starts because he had done uh-huh. mostly music videos at this point. And I don't know, like Vince Vaughn was like, uh, it was like fucking hot, dude, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember I saw it in theaters and we were like, whatever this is, I don't want to see this kind of movie again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay. Uh, and Monument Avenue is also out this week with Dennis Leary, Cole Meany, and Fomka Jansen and Martin Sheen. And he, now, uh, take a guess if it stars Dennis Leary, Cole Meany, and Martin Sheen, where in the U.S. might it take Fucking uh, Boston? Boston? Fucking Bastin. Bastin. Yeah. Um, it's nice to yeah. see a bunch of friends. It's a wicked piss of crime drama. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Processes. Starring a bunch of, bunch of t- <laughs> starring a bunch of talented queers. I don't have any more Boston <laughs> accent for you. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, sounds, sounds like a Boston joint. Maybe Ted Demi's in the mix there somewhere. Apostle Pictures, I'm sure. Shadrick uh, with Harvey Keitel, Andy McDowell, John Franklin Sawyer. Yeah, this was uh, like it's kind of hard to nail this movie down of like what exactly it's about. Like it got okay reviews, and it's about a former slave who wants to be buried in a particular on a particular property, and then there's family drama around it, which is like that's not what I think of when you put Harvey Keitel and Andy McDowell in a movie, certainly. But okay, yeah, like I said, got okay reviews and it's kind of hard to find now huh. yeah also have some martin sheen and then speaking of harder to find this Ooh, one's damn. gotten easier to find though but uh we got to talk about lolita we got to talk Hi, about jeremy lolita. irons yeah you're I, back i don't have to talk about it i lived it Oof, gross. don't <laughs> just don't. don't don't even joke nobody's about fucking it. me especially a young girl jesus they wanted to make a film of lolita how do you make a film of lolita Oh, we asked that in the trailer episode. Yeah, where they did. It was one of the most interesting trailers I've seen for a film ever. Like, did they actually make a Lolita movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, they yeah. did it twice. So, so nice. Times. They did it twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Kubrick movie is not very faithful to the novel and obviously had some limitations when it came to what you can show and what you can imply. So, uh, Adrian Lyne, who directed, let's see, Fatal Attraction and. I want to say nine and a half weeks oh boy. and that explains a lot um other yeah he's known for sexy movies that um, explains a poison lot. ivy maybe not no i don't want to say poison ivy what's well uh, what's the one with we're gonna give demi more indecent proposal he did uh, but he's a good director and so they're gonna make a faithful version of lolita right while they are working on this uh there's a new law in congress targeting child pornography which says you cannot have people who are or are depicting minors having sex on screen. Mm, that eventually got struck down, but that freaked everybody out. Right. And so they backed away from it. Eventually, Showtime picked this up. They put it in some theaters to qualify it for awards because, again, Jerry Myers is outstanding. He's in this. so good. And it, like, so this is, I remember watching this on Showtime. Parents, stop listening. Mm-hmm. I remember watching this on Showtime very late at night, being like, oh, what's this? And then being like, ooh, I feel, I'm feeling very weird about what I'm watching right now. And this is my first exposure to Lolita. Like, in, in, in 98, I was 13 at this point. So, like, oh I knew what Lolita was as a concept. I had not read the novel yet, but I had an idea based on pop culture. And then this is my first exposure to it, mm. which is very confusing if you're 13 mm. and it is 
happening and it is extremely disturbing it really i mean like watching this at that age really messed me up quite a bit actually not quite a bit but yeah, you know like it, it, it really disturbed me quite a bit i mean provided yeah, a roadmap it, how to live stop stop <laughs> not, too, too, <laughs> not the right time this is not the time <laughs> i'm sitting here with my only girlfriend a cat like <laughs> Anyway, so, I mean, I, I love the novel Lolita. Me too. Um, I was talking to my brother about this a little while ago. I was like, do I get something different out of it as a woman reading it? And I think maybe I mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Because, like, so many people talk about Humbert as, you know, uh, he's an unreliable narrator. He's a flawed person. It's like, no, he's full of shit from day one. That's yes. what I read. Um, he, he is but... he's, his narration is the lies that pedophiles tell themselves in order to justify what they do. So yeah, he's an unreliable narr- narrator, I guess, in that sense. Um, yeah. So I mean, they do the smart thing, and they they make her closer to the age that she is in the book. She's eleven, twelve, I guess, at the start. You know, she's precocious, okay, and she that's doesn't. Fucking gr- no. She's eleven or twelve in the book. Yeah. She's twelve. Holy shit! Yeah, she's, yeah, she's like twelve, thirteen. I was thinking just like know. sixteen. In the Kubrick, not in the Kubrick yeah. book, she's fifteen. Yeah. I thought she was fifteen in this one. No, she doesn't look it. Well, if she is, she looks younger, da- which I, is kind of part of the point is that she's in that in-between stage right. as a teenager where it's like she thinks she thinks she is more mature than she actually is. And she's like developing maturity. Mm-hmm. So she's like all sort of gangly limbs, but starting to get boobs and knows that men look at her in a certain way, but doesn't really know what to do with it. And then she starts developing what mm-hmm. to use that for. And I mean, it is so much more faithful to the book. And it that is. also makes it sometimes very, very uncomfortable. Much more disturbing. I mean, Dominique Swain is 15 in the movie. What? Like, she is actually 15 when it's that? being filmed. And like, I did a little research in this too because I was like, fucking Jeremy Irons, you're ruining my week. Gotta read about mm-hmm. you being creepy two, for two movies in a row. But basically, yeah, I mean, she's 15 in the film when this is filming. They actually had to put like a pillow between her and Jeremy Irons Just during make another scenes. movie. There's a very uh, yeah. weird. And there's some there's some body doubles. I think yeah. in, in some scenes. The scene where she's sitting in his lap. I don't get it. The book's Bro. the book can't be that good. Bro. Yeah. Don't it's get it. rough. Um, Don't get it. Which, but yeah, I mean, Jeremy Irons took this film like and negotiated a very big paycheck comparatively really? because he was banking on the fact that he would not work for a very long time after this. Mm. Yeah. Not knowing how well Die Hard with a Vengeance would hold up <laughs> right. in the hearts of everyone. I do love Die Hard with a Vengeance. It's really good. And yeah. yet it's Frank Langella who gets naked. Oh. Right? Who, and he actually didn't know that he was going to be naked in the final cut. He's actually like, <laughs> he was actually like extremely like kind of embarrassed no, about I'm it in. and like did not want. Do you have any idea how many thing. times I've Googled Dracula, Skeletor, Nixon naked? <laughs> we got French, we got Frank Langella naked here. I love this. Uh, stealing. That was, this. that was Diana's husband's joke. I just stole and reappropriated. <laughs> I absolutely recommend reading Lolita. I think it's an yeah. important work. No. I think it's a thing that is a great lens to view a lot of what Child culture porn. is. Like, mm. no, but I mean, like the way that we view young people and culture and yeah, stuff like right a now. Tex Avery Wolf, baby. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, that's. I I'll mean, that's back part of. <laughs> you need to shut up. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Let the adults talk. Right. Let the grown-ups talk. No, part of the point is, you know, it's a, the, the, as 
women are sexualized in a culture mm-hmm. to the point where it's like, well, where's the line? Where is it okay to start sexualizing? Girls them? are sexualized in a culture where it's like, how soon is too soon? I mean, like, yeah. I remember... And, and a character, like, he kind of hates himself, but mm-hmm. he can't stop himself, mm-hmm. you know? In a way, this is going to sound crazy. In a way, he's like BoJack Horseman. <laughs> because I was just watching that, so I just have it on my okay, mind. You lost the idea of someone who does a horrible thing, then beats themselves up about it, and thinks that that's we're good now. Like the scales are balanced, and he'll just keep doing horrible things. Until but as long as I feel bad about it, it's okay. It's an addict mentality in a lot of ways. Yeah. Ooh, it's rough, and there's a lot to unpack. And I absolutely recommend the novel. I I cannot. So I thought about revisiting this movie before we talked about it and I just honestly seeing it at the age that I saw it I just don't think I can bring myself to do it so I can't say if I recommend this or not I recommend the novel I feel like if you're a grown-ass adult then I will recommend the movie I think Mm -hmm. they did a very good job okay I will take your word for it I don't know that I'll ever revisit it because of how I that, that makes sense. Okay, Chris, you can come back. Okay, because now we can talk one. about Pecker. Can I talk about Pecker? We can talk about Pecker yes. now, which I'm pretty sure I saw. I love. I need a reminder of. I did. I did. Wanna, I love this one. I sort of wanted to brag about. I you brag about Pecker. I grew up watching John Waters <laughs> movies and not knowing there was anything weird or subversive about mm-hmm. them, because this is following up on like Crybaby and. Is Serial Mom, which I thought was just funny, uh, and and Pecker, which I just I don't know, was there day one. I love Pecker. Okay, I love Pecker, and then like after Pecker, John Waters gets weird again with <laughs> Cecil B. Demented and uh, Dirty Shame, and then he mm-hmm. hasn't made a movie since. Except Diana, did you know he He's made a movie busy. called Kitty Flamingos? What? Which is a, a, a child retelling of Pink Flamingos. <laughs> <laughs> That's other than that, he hasn't directed anything since Dirty Shame in about fifteen years. But I he's love been busy writing and hitchhiking, writing hitchhiking yeah. and speaking, and uh, he's and now being just kind all of a movie star. Amazing. Oh yeah, basically. I took a, a Diana met John Waters and I yes, was at a Yes, I seen that picture. At the women's I'm very yeah. jealous of it. That was very cool. So Pecker is about Edward Furlong, and that's his name or his nickname. Mm-hmm. And he takes photos, and he has a wacky family. And we have a trailer. Well, if Martha Plimpton's involved, the I'm The cast in. is awesome. She's great in this. Pecker! Pecker! My name is Pecker. Pecker is a small-town boy with big-time talent. I'd love to give you a show in my New York gallery. And now the New York art world can't get enough Pecker. But Pecker's had it with overexposure. I don't want to be in Vogue. Everybody wants to be in Vogue. Edward Furlong and Christina Ricci in the new film directed by John Waters. Supermodel! Pecker. Now playing at select theaters. I fucking love John Waters, and everybody mm-hmm. should go out this weekend and watch any John Waters movie you want. Agreed. It's all pretty yeah. fun. I also 100% recommend the Mommy Dearest with the uh, John Waters oh. commentary. It's <laughs> so what yes. I did for Mother's Day this year as a stepmom, and it was great. But where I think this movie did me a disservice, because like I, I even bought it on like VHS, on mm. Blockbuster previously viewed VHS. Take that, Captain Marvel trailer Good fans. Good old days. That it gave an unrefined person like me feel like they understood the sophisticated art world enough to make fun of it, which mm. I really didn't. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's in that sense, it's an interesting film because I don't know of any other people who was were tackling the subject matter. Mm-hmm. But it's fairly t- it's fairly tame by John Waters standards for mm-hmm. real. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, well, it did teach me what teabagging is. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> Was it was yeah. the upper decker in this one? I think it was Dirty Shame. Mm. Might have been Dirty Shame. Um, Sarah, you ever done an upper decker? Yeah. Stop. No. Do you know what it is? 
Yes, I what? know what it is. Describe it. No, Why not? I won't. Okay, you it's when it. you it's when, when you, you defecate in the tank of someone's toilet. Yes, with shit. I said defecate. I wanted to use the term the kids liked. And <laughs> when you poop emoji. <laughs> Sorry. Look, cool. I had to sit out I'm of the glad. whole Lolita segment. I was a good boy. <laughs> gross. You did that to yourself. You Everything about this is gross. Everything about this. Because Pecker's a perfectly like fine film. It just it doesn't embody. I think what's really great about a John Waters movie, mm-hmm. though, and I've watched it a bunch. Yeah. I find it great. Uh, I find it perfectly charming, and you should totally watch it because the cast is just fucking awesome. It's it's popular with with a bunch of people getting to play the weirdest versions of themselves Mm -hmm. and a bunch of other like John Waters satellite weirdos, which is like always makes his movies fun. Uh, The grandma who's got the (laughs) the Virgin Mary ventriloquist (laughs) might be the, like one of the best just one note characters. Yeah. It's just so weird that she's got this giant, like the Virgin Mary statue that like religious folks would have in their yard or something. And it's got a little ventriloquist mouth and she goes full of grace, (laughs) full of grace. Like a fucking like, like a like a, a parrot like a dinner table. <laughs> I loved it. I love it. I loved it. Um, and I don't know. I grabbed this little clip. I remember of like describing art, but like I think I was walking this, watching this sort of mockingly. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't know. I think John Waters is like sort of celebrating the thing he loves to hate. Uh, maybe the mainstream or New York art scene in this case. Oh, Shelley, please come back. Without you, my work is shit. Where is your work? <sighs> It's you that I love. I don't understand any of that art crap. You could if you just open your eyes. Pecker, I work in a laundromat. Art's everywhere. Yeah, my endless bags of dirty laundry. (laughs) Yeah, it is if you think about it. What? The brilliant green of a grass stain? (laughs) Yes, that's art. The subtle yellow of a urine-soaked sheet? Yeah. Keep going. It's what you see every day. The aqua blue of cold water as it dilutes a violent red blood stain. Oh, you got it. Be spontaneous for once in your life. Becker, I'm scared. You mean the almond brown of a stubborn mildew stain can be beautiful? Yes, yes. Let your mind go and you'll be free forever. Becker, I think I finally see it. Art, Shelley. Art. I could use a condom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that they're being responsible. And there's glitter going across the screen yeah. the, the whole time. I don't know. It's just it's it's weird enough to like. I think I don't know. I wish I wish more people knew everything about John Waters. He's only he's only made like a fucking dozen movies. And they're all cool. But in addition to Pecker, I did see Urban Legend and immediately forgot about it. Yeah, I think I might have missed this one. I mean, it was. This in, is what Scream did for us, right? It was, it, and I would even say, like, I know what you did last summer because I think if you played the trailers with no volume, they look exactly the same. But Jared Leto, Lisa Witt, Rebecca Gayhart, Joshua Jackson, uh, Loretta Devine, Tara Reid, and oh, and Robert England, <gasps> not as Freddy Krueger. Welcome to Pendleton U, where the most popular class is urban legends. Something you've heard about mixing pop rocks and soda? Supposedly your stomach burst. But this semester... Voila, still alive. The lessons are going too far. Call 911! From the producer of I Know What You Did Last Summer... Someone's taking all these urban legends and making them reality. Urban legend. Bloody Mary. Rated R. Urban legend, I would God, say not. Blonde Joshua Jackson. It was the late nineties. Mm. If, if you had a tip, you got to frost it. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
And here, here's a movie I'm embarrassed I haven't seen. I just I remember at the time every reviewer like shit on this movie. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah. And I was a big De Niro fan, and um, yeah, Gino and De Niro and uh, a bunch of other people. Natasha McElhone, who is in Truman Show, the mm. most one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. Jonathan Price, Stellan Skarsgård, Sean, Sean Bean. Bean. Does or he live? We'll see. Scene Bean or Sean Bond? <laughs> I prefer Sean Bond. Sean Bond's pretty good. Uh, Ronan, don't get excited, Japanese people. <laughs> I never walk into a place I don't know how to walk out of. That's the first thing they teach you. In a world of covert operatives, he was given an assignment. This is what we're after. I want 100,000 up front. I want another 100,000 when you get the case. But there was more to the mission. Get out of here. Walk away. Than he ever imagined. The girl sold us out. Robert De Niro. Ronan. I really like this movie. I, we should, this we were supposed movie to watch it together. fucking rules. It's really? so good. I have been pressuring Antista for like, ever since I saw this come up on this, I'm like, dude, we have to watch this. We have to like watch it together like for homework. And, I have like, other just... podcast Patreon movies to Patreon.com. Yes, but um, anyways, it's great. And yeah, I think yep. probably the last good thing John Frankenheimer ever did before he yeah. uh, before he died, or, and or worked on the movie we talked about again on this week's episode of Laser Time. That's all about documentaries about movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, we're we're post um, we're post the Island of Doctor Unpleasantness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So. Ronan, the first like half of Ronan, um, my roommate described as uh, a heist film starring all of your friends' dads. So true. <laughs> also, because again, Stellan Skarsgård, Jonathan Price, and wow. just everyone—you know—everyone's sort of wearing sweaters and yeah. sort of chubby around the middle, a little soft. Hey. And, but everything's yeah. in gray and blue, so it's slimming. Yeah, and it does, all the colors it, it are con- gray and blue. Contains what I think is reasonably called one of the best practical effects car chases yes. ever put on screen. Oh, definitely, got, it's got some great car chases in it. Yeah, yeah. Two, I, honestly, I think there's two of them. One going the wrong way down the tunnel where Princess Diana got killed. Whoa! <laughs> and another that's one on the side out of, of a respect. mountain with a fucking rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's the one I've seen. It's great. It's very exciting. It's a, you know a team of specialists basically coming together to retrieve a MacGuffin, um, and things go wrong and people double cross. It's excellent. Mm-hmm. I really love this movie. Um, I really need to give it a watch. Yeah, you do. I have yeah. six more movies to watch tonight, so uh, I'll get to it when I can. Okay. Yeah, uh, I know we've got like a lot of TV to yeah, talk about. We've TV, covered yeah. a bunch of movies, but I mean, this this is lock of the week for me, honestly. Really? Yeah, gorilla. I mean, Gorillas in the Mist is great, and Dead Ringers is great. I'd recommend both of those. But this is like this will entertain just across the board. True. I take that very. I seriously. would say watch Dead Ringers and then watch this to clear cleanse the palate. Yes, and I do. Good idea. I don't mean to move on so fast, but TV. This week is it's fucking bananas. stupid. It's one of the last. I think it's one of the last years where TV will launch in a just a fucking cluster like this. It's, this whole week is the launch of like a billion new things that kind of dig their heels in and stick around for five uh-huh. seasons, if not the zeitgeist in your memories. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, up to and including September twenty first, where. Th- the Yankees defeat the Padres in a sweep. That better be true. Wah, wah. Sports fans complain more than any other kind of fan. Uh, but on September 21st on NBC, on a different network, Will and Grace debuts. Huge. Holy Ooh. shit. This Hol- is big, y'all. Will and Grace debuts. What are you doing? 
Jesus. Oh, Will and Grace. Yeah. The only show, the, the last scripted show I think my mother ever watched. Oh, really? For real. Well, it's back. Miss and, and I, I don't remember her attitudes towards gay people at the time. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling it was probably progressive, but I think this, in hindsight, I think this show is given a ton of credit for like... It, Joe yeah. Biden oh, credited yeah. it as if, like turning the tide in a lot of you ways. Didn't have a gay friend, you sort of did with mm-hmm. Will and Sean, and it was on every night and like leading the ratings in a post Seinfeld and Friends world. This is a huge show because it shows a lot of different archetypes that weren't really seen on television in a conventional way before. So you've got Will, who is a career guy, mm-hmm. a career gay, who's just like living his life just like anybody else except for he just happens to be gay and he's got you know he's got his friends that he loves he's got grace who is also a kind of an archetype you haven't seen before which is like a career woman hag who is just like has her best friend that she loves so much and the first episode is about her a guy that she's dating long term proposing mm-hmm. to her and her going to her best friend who Ew, is a yeah. gay man who is like giving her advice about it you've got and then you have Karen who is my yes. favorite Thank character you. that's, that's is, the one oh god I've, she I've is amazing almost never seen this show yeah but i don't know what my life would be like without Megan Mullally. Oh, she, it would be sad and dark. She enhances every fucking thing. She, she somehow has the time to make a guest appearance on every good show. Yep. And turns in an amazing fucking performance. And the best one being Gail on Bob's Burgers. Oh, oh gosh. She's I so love good. her so much. I was going to say, I love her as a book jockey on um, <laughs> Parks and Rec. Yeah, she's fantastic. Like, oh. Tammy too. Sluttiest yes. librarian. Yes. But, but like the most unappealing human being of all time in Bob's Burgers. Yes. <laughs> like I fucking love her character. Yes. So. My it's legs a, hurt. Could you, could you just pull me in the sled? Could <laughs> you just carry me, Bob? Like just she's awful. Yeah. <laughs> so so well, the clip that I pulled then is her introduction. She's my fave. So oh. I wanted to give her some love. And, and shout out to Sean Hayes, obviously. But I, just to point out what a different time this was. Sean Hayes was not out. He was mm-hmm. <laughs> he was this character in interviews and on the show, but mm-hmm. like I don't want to talk about my sexuality. Yeah. We respect that. We like you a lot as straight America. So we're not gonna ask you, Sean right. Hayes. Don't where ask, you go. don't tell. It's still in effect. <laughs> well, I feel like that's part of like the good balance of the show mm-hmm. in that like Sean Hayes' character is like if we did see a gay character on TV, it would generally be that sort of guy who's mm-hmm. really, really over the top and exuberant, and we're going to have a makeover. <laughs> right. And then Will is just a guy. Yeah. Right. He's, he's, I mean, comedy-wise, he's the straight man. He uh-huh. is. But he's not denying his sexuality either. Right. He still has exactly. love interests. He still celebrates he's just that. A normal guy mm-hmm. looking for love in the big city. He just happens to be looking for a guy. And mm-hmm. I think normalizing that and showing it, it's just... It's just fucking normal, guys. Yeah. I think I think that it's helped. It's absolutely huge. Yay. And and it also showed too like a different aspect of male female friendship. That's yeah. just something that hadn't been shown before, really, mm. in like a real way. And then I'm go sorry. Hags. I'm sorry. He said go hags. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. As we needed a show. We really <laughs> did. We needed representation. And representation matters. <laughs> and I have to say, like, 
especially with Karen, like is such a character that I identified with so much. I mean, I think she could be considered the first queer straight character on television where like mm. I think she would absolutely be embraced by the queer community she's a little pansexual she's a little <laughs> open to whatever you know she done some stuff with some gay dudes I don't know she just really spoke to me I don't know why <laughs> this is, we're gonna hear an introduction yes what are you doing I'm looking for tissues well have your assistant get them for you she's late again oh fire her already I'm not going to fire Karen. Her social contacts keep my business afloat. Why does she even work? I mean, isn't she worth like a gazillion dollars? She feels working keeps her down to earth. I know. I'm late. My driver had another bronchial incident. It was disgusting. I had to raise the partition. But that's no excuse. I should be punished. I'm writing you a check. <laughs> Karen, tell Grace you should fire you. Grace, tell Will to redirect his anger at his mother where it belongs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a great, so good. Yeah. So good. And it was, you know, those characters got some of the mo most um, nominations for best acting in television history from like all the different award shows. And I'm not an authority, but I read a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I think... Alongside Mystery Science Theater 3000, I think Will and Grace is the most worthwhile resurrection of a show. Agreed. Uh, in that it's both the people who loved it dig it and the critics like it. And it seems like, oh, this just like nestled right into as if it was never gone. Yeah. And it feels perfect. Well, and it, I mean, a big That's part of that. That's how I hear people talk about Will and Grace. The, 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 the resurrected version. The big part of the resurrected version, how great it's doing is because like the cast the directors, mm -hmm. the writers, they all came back. Mm. So it's really not a wow. huge change in tone. And I mean, the director, one of the, the director who directed eight seasons of this was James Burroughs, who is a fucking oh. television legend. He directed Taxi, uh, went on to Cheers, Frasier. He directed a bunch of Friends. And now Will and Grace, he directed a most of Will and Grace, basically. Damn. So yeah, I mean, it's a TV legend, basically. Yeah, um, legendary status. I guess you could probably extend that over on CBS. Yes. They being the same night. A show I don't hate. When I was delivering Chinese food, we got CBS on the radio. And Monday nights were my sanctity from having to listen to NPR reruns mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. uh, morning edition at 8 p.m. at night. Uh, but King of Queens, like, I don't know. I liked everybody on the show. Yeah, me too. And I never knew what I they looked cast. like. Cool. Never, <laughs> I never knew what they looked like for a long time. <laughs> and and, and what I wanted, I thought it was a good segue because like, they tried a cynical half-assed resurrection for King and Queens. Yes. They tried on the Kevin Can Wait sitcom yep. with Kevin mm -hmm. James. They tried to kill his existing oh. wife and replace it with his King of Queens wife, the most beautiful woman in the world, Leah Remini. Yeah. Uh, and it did not work. I believe that show was just canceled. I pulled the opening for this just because it's, it's also one of the last... It is. It's the last sitcom song. It's the last sitcom song, and I love it. <laughs> I remember that. My eyes are getting weary. At Scott's Miracle Grow, we're helping to protect Florida's waterways. That's false. That's why our foundation. My eyes are getting weary. My back is getting tight. I'm sitting here in traffic on the Queensboro Bridge tonight. But I don't care because all I want to do is cash my check and drive right home to you. See, like, I think my. If I could just like give one sound effect for like I want to not think in 1999, it'd just be this this fucking saxophone ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That song that song was like five years too late. It was it's, like it was embarrassing exactly at the time. Exactly what I was about to say is like this is yeah. the best show out of 1992. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I don't know. King of Queens I think still holds up. I haven't seen I it in on, a little bit. On the strength bit. of Kevin James and Leah Remini and their leads, they're really really good. They're so leads. good. And Jerry Stiller. And Jerry Stiller and Patton Oswalt's on the yeah. fucking Patton show. Oswalt and also. Yeah. Like also, by the way, I have to absolutely recommend Kevin James James's stand up. No, I really, I it's really like very the guy. funny. It's He's done a lot of funny. embarrassing shit while being friends with Adam Sandler, but yeah. like I do like Kevin James. We can forgive him his mom cough. <laughs> He's done a it, lot of like, other good for the world. It is an insane night for debuts because I guess it I was is. like at this point I'm like crazy TV woke, so I at least checked out every single episode mm-hmm. of these premieres on the same night. Uh, is it WB? I think so. Yep. Uh, Felicity debuts. Yeah. This one I missed out on. It was right in my wheelhouse, and I was just too busy with Will and Grace to... Well, someone gave a young man named J.J. Abrams a shot. Yep. uh, And he he developed a lifelong friendship with a... Oh, my God. I forgot her name. Who's Felicity? Gary Russell. Gary Russell. Russell. Who's in Goddamn... Who will probably be the next Star Wars movie. Uh, But, yeah, that debuts tonight. I don't know that... That show at all. I was I caught on I got on the alias bandwagon, but not the Felicity bandwagon. It's you know, it's about a college girl. Her life's her loves are moving to the big city. Mm-hmm. No, in other I'm, words, it was popular with in my peer group and I never watched it. That wasn't judgment. That's just again, Chris not having the WB didn't get to see it. So this is one of several uh television programs that I will probably be revisiting in the next couple of years. Just because I never really got into Felicity, but it seems like it's right in my wheelhouse, so I'll be getting into it. And there's a couple other ones I'll be talking about in a little bit that Jesus, I'll be also be getting back into. The next night is the debut of the Hughleys. Yeah, a show Jeez. that went for almost a hundred so episodes. Right, like this is it. It might be marketing your calendars the most successful debut of all time because like every show mm-hmm. kind of like if not worth revisiting, like went on for a while. Yeah, and and I, I don't know anything about the Hughleys. I wasn't watching that, but like way later on. I was watching uh, Sports Night, Aaron Sorkin's oh, yes. first program on ABC, Laugh Track and all. Uh, <laughs> I was definitely watching that. And yeah. like to me, that was like, I think I, I put a like a, there's a, there has to be a little asterisk next to this. Like, this is when TV changed. Mm-hmm. It, it, this wasn't popular. It won awards. Critics liked it. And uh, it, it got, I think they said it got canceled because Sorkin wanted to focus on West Wing. Like, they wouldn't, ABC might have kept it going mm. because it was so mm. revered. And it, like, it, it is a very clear shot of like, if we're losing viewers, this is the way we're going to go. Mm-hmm. We're going to get this uh, a smarter audience back on television who doesn't need a laugh track. Right. But other than that, it's like it's kind of a normal sitcom. It's just yeah. faster. It's so fast. So I the clip that I pulled for this was just like a little clip that's like, yeah, this is basically sports night in a nutshell. The way that the dialogue happened. It's the first. It's the first episode where they like are figuring out whether to accept a Michael Jordan interview on their third-rate sports show if they can only talk about his perfume mm. and not his scandals <laughs> mm-hmm. and not and not his basketball career. Plus, it's like your like, first real introduction to Peter Krause, who, ooh, love me some Peter Krause. Not for me, Truman Show, mm. you mentioned it earlier. That's true. Mm-hmm. forgot about that. But yeah, so this is just actually a little bit of dialogue between Felicity Huffman. Josh Charles? J- nope. Uh, Melina. Joseph oh, jo- Melina. Joshua Melina. Joshua yeah. Melina, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And um, his love interest? Uh, Sabrina Lloyd. Yes. Jeremy, this is Dana Whitaker. We've met. Yes. You have an impressive resume. Let me ask you some questions. You look nervous. I'm okay. Would you like a glass of water? Uh, no, thank you. A soft drink? We have fresca. If you're taking orders, I'll 
I'll have the angel hair pasta and a nice Merlot. I'm just, can we I'm just trying, I'm just trying to come professionalism, professionalism is all. I'm yeah, I can come back later. What are your favorite sports? I beg your pardon? Where are you strongest? Oh, football. Great. Let's talk about basketball. I said football. I heard you. Knicks. Let's talk about basketball. Uh, we can talk about baseball or hockey. Oh, you're pretty strong in baseball and hockey, are you? Not as strong as Good. football, but... Let's talk about the Knicks. Seems a lot. I walked right into that one, didn't well, I? Well, I left the door wide open for you. Shot of bourbon? Please. Sit. I'm sorry, that was harsh. I hurt your feelings. <laughs> Name three things the Knicks need to do this season to make it to the finals. Um, I couldn't get another question. You will, but not till I hear an answer to the first one. What do the Knicks... Three things the Knicks need to do to contend. <laughs> Ms. Whitaker, I would be great at this job. You gotta believe me when I tell you I've been training my whole life for it. I've crunched stats, I've broken down film, and there wasn't a team at my high school that didn't have me for an equipment manager. I have read every box score in every newspaper that's printed in English and has a sports section, and I have seen Sports Night every night since your first broadcast, two years, two months, and a week ago today. Now, yes, sure, indeed. I can tell you what Ewing and Oakley are shooting from the field and that you're not going to stop John Starks if he squares up to the basket and put any defensive pressure on Charlie Ward, he's going to fold like a cheap card table. But if you're asking me for genuinely sophisticated analyses, and I sense that you are, you've got to give me some time, at least 20 minutes. <laughs> this is like every drama nerd's wet dream basically yeah <laughs> but like it's can... so acty it's so talky and i right. love i'm not saying that pejoratively like no i love it it's also sorkin not knowing how to marry that well with a with any yes. realism but like yeah. it was fucking different and it's like and i love it this I isn't how it. people talk this is funny it's exactly yeah. it's a primogenitor to Gilmore Girls. No, I do fucking I, I fucking love this show. I don't know. We were, were we talking about how easy this would be to revisit or whether it'd be worthwhile? I think it would I be. I think it would. I know I missed a bunch of episodes. I've only seen a couple episodes of it, mm. but I love what I saw. Mm-hmm. I remember when I bought yeah, a lot of it. So much of it, just such a good cast. Mm-hmm. I remember I was like in I college. Should just, I should just binge it. In mm-hmm. delivering Chinese food, and Comedy Central started rerunning it, and in a fucking pre DVR streaming world. I would like run to any like available friend's house and watch it at like two o'clock, like take my lunch break then because mm-hmm. I like the show that much. Bought it on DVD and you put it on, play all and like, dude, some of these episodes are 17 minutes. Like this, it goes, <laughs> the series goes by real fast, yeah, real fast. And it's all on Hulu. So if you feel like putting something on in the background, that you can totally keep up with it. It's all walking and talking for the most part. Uh, Sports Night is fucking great. And it was recognized by, again, like all critics organizations. Uh, you saw this cast get up and accept the awards like mm-hmm. crazy, and it didn't help them. Uh, but Jesus, Encore Encore debuts with Nathan Lane as an <laughs> opera singer on the verge of becoming the fourth tenor. <laughs> he injures his vocal cords and has oh. to move in with his family at their vineyard. I want to see the show. I like did right. not watch this when it came on, but I How am does a on Nathan board Lane right now. Fail in a Will and Grace world, right? I think it was too soon or too, too soon. early, too early, too or, or not maybe not paired well. Maybe like, I don't remember what network it was on. Like a it fine on, wine, it was not paired well. If it was on entree. after Will and Grace, would a Nathan Lane led sitcom done a little better? I don't know. Mm. It's ninety eight. Maybe just a. a Dabble, do ya? This is on on the following night, and we're trying to cram a bunch of shit in here, people. We do apologize because this episode was of News Radio is super important to me. That mm-hmm. aired on September 23rd. We teased it last week. Uh, it gives me chills. It's called Bill Moves On. Diana, maybe you could help me out with like I don't know of a more elegant way to write out some a major character who dies in the middle of a show that's not canceled. Like, yeah, it, it just yeah. that's that's really tough. It's like you don't want to make it 
a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, especially considering that, you know, Phil Hartman was murdered. It's not like he, yeah. you know, died of natural causes or he died in a terrible accident. Yeah, of his own vices. Uh, no, he, he died. Of his own vices. Yeah. The, just tragic. The idea that it was in no way timely and it's too hard to make fun of. So if he, you know, died in a really wacky accident on the show, it would feel really improper. And I, I feel like I'd seen other shows address something like this where they'll, they'll address that someone's gone or a way to write off a character. But it's like, to me, this is like I'd only seen fucking Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Just sort of like, mm-hmm. pause. We're going to deal with death right now. Everybody, Every character, whoever knew this character, is going to talk about him the whole episode. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I you, don't... You would expect that they would start, you know, and it's a couple months later and someone just drops in a line or two about, yeah, it's too bad. Ever since Bill moved to Kentucky to start that horse farm... Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, instead of spending the whole episode dealing with death. Mm-hmm. And it's it's all pretty harsh. I, I don't know. News Radio was a very special show and it yeah. was very it was very silly. But like they I, just like uh, Andy, Andy Dick's character mm-hmm. not dealing well with like is in total denial. Like, no, Bill's off at a private submarine fighting aliens. Mm-hmm. Like he's not <laughs> gone. He can't be gone. And then like it's not all played for laughs. And it, it, it is fucking fresh because when did this happen? Phil Hartman died in May. Yeah. So yeah. this was probably like being filmed two, two, three months later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like it's some of this is like clearly the cast talking about the death of Phil Hartman on camera together. Yeah. Uh, and it's I'm going to try and not be indulgent with the clips because it's just like I remember tuning in. I played you that, that promo. NBC mm-hmm. was very clear. We're going to say goodbye to this character. And it just starts cold open. Everyone's returning from Bill's funeral. Well. As far as memorial services go, I thought that was very nice. Yes, yeah. it was. Very nice. Oh, very nice. The flowers sure were beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very nice. Pretty. Oh, you know that arrangement they had of, of roses that was shaped like a broken heart? Yeah. Was that um, supposed to be because Bill died of a heart attack? Or? No. No, Matthew, that was me. I, I, I sat on it in the limo. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. That's like the perfect news <laughs> yeah. radio open. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it... I, I don't know. I want to. I should have written the writer's name down, but like to. Uh, I, I saw this <laughs> done very well on a show like Community with Chevy Chase's character's death, but Chevy Chase didn't really die. Mm, uh, he's dead to us, though. He's definitely dead to us. But like somebody managed to capture like Phil Hartman or mostly Bill's voice, which was Phil Hartman at eleven, uh, capture his voice in notes saying goodbye individually to every character on news radio, and they go in like so the last. Half of the show is the cast sitting in Dave Dave Foley's office. He's Dave on the show too, reading letters about them written by that he wanted read in the event of his death. I'll ask his lawyer to deliver this envelope to me if anything was to happen to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't supposed to open it until we were all gathered. So let's see what it is. All right, I'm supposed to read this aloud. Uh, here we go. Dear everyone. If Dave is reading this to you, I've either been fired or I have passed away. Since my formidable talent would preclude the former, I'll have to assume that the latter is true. (laughs) Someone please explain that one to Matthew later. I don't get it. I'll explain it to you later, dude. Uh, He continues. I know this is strange, but I just wanted to make sure that my final wishes are observed. Wish number one. I wish I weren't dead. (laughs) Jimmy, get your best people on this one, if you would. Uh, ha ha, just kidding. I can't express enough how much I like the cast of mm-hmm. News Radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Root, uh, Andy Dick, Moore Tierney, Dave Foley, 
and, and especially Phil Hartman. That's kind of why I was there. He was he wasn't even like a major player. He just popped up to make a scene funny. And it's I don't know. That, let's see if I like. I'll probably be able to get through this. But the way the character of Bill says goodbye to the world. No final note for all of us. Uh, anywho, he <laughs> continues. That about wraps it up for me. Um, uh, farewell. Take care of each other, and I'll see you all when you get to wherever it is that I am now. I don't know if they're acting. It's difficult to tell uh, because this is super fresh. Mm -hmm. Super fresh. And John Lovitz will be back next week. Maybe we'll play a clip of uh, Max as he comes on board to replace his buddy and I believe his teacher, um, Mm -hmm. Phil Hartman. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I believe so. All right. So we'll we'll keep moving along. Uh, Sorry, I didn't want to soak in the grief because I'm just looking ahead and oh, we're going to talk about like every other TV show that was right, on right. week. We yeah, have we don't so have to, to do. spoil my and moment. we're only yeah. in 1998. Yeah, well, it was just like a huge week for premieres. Right. I mean, Friends is a big one. Um, we don't have to do any clips from it, but it was the one, the one after Ross says Rachel. Mm-hmm. So if you watched oh. a lot of Friends, mm-hmm. um. And actually, yeah, this clip is just like, it's just a couple seconds long, but it's kind of a big deal for the Friends mythology. I, Ross, repeat after me. I, Ross. I, Ross. Take thee, Emily. Take thee, Rachel. (laughs) 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 Emily. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is kind of a big one for friends heads like yeah. me whereas like we all always wanted ross and rachel to be together because they were the two worst characters they might as well get together <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean this is like a f- it was a fun storyline like ross falls in love with this british woman and they go get married and they're getting married in england in our you know hometown and Rachel kind of shows up out of nowhere and mm-hmm. Ross is so excited to see her. And then right as he's getting married to Emily, he says her Rachel's name instead. Yikes. Yikes. And hijinks <laughs> ensue. And it kind of, I don't know, it's a big deal for that mythology. And I don't know, as a huge Friends fan, like mm-hmm. I love this whole season actually. It's and a we, great season. We simply must speed it along. Uh, Frasier has a good grief episode. I'm mm-hmm. gonna. We already covered Charlie Brown, so that's good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boy Meets yeah. World. His answer is that the season premiere. That is the one I remember we covered. The, right when she... Topanga proposes mm-hmm. to him, and so this is his answer, where it basically picks up right where they left off, and then after a lot of going back and forth, ends in another cliffhanger. Mm. Yeah, which goes to the next day. Basically, that they or goes to the next week. Basically, uh, they are standing in front of a uh, preacher, <laughs> preacher mm-hmm. type. <laughs> and when they go to say the vows, Corey says, "Yes, I do." And then when it goes to Benga, she's like, <gasps> uh, "I made a huge mistake. Oh, I can shit. do way better than this guy. I don't want to be in the show." I'm giving a veil for a savage. <laughs> What am I doing? <laughs> Cliffhanger. And uh, oh, okay, we'll speed through the rest of it. The Fantasy Island remake comes out this okay. week with Malcolm McDowell and the Ricardo Montalban role. I threw this in because this was like huge. I had like huge memories of this. This was such a fun uh, oh, really? remake for me. Oh. I was never exposed yeah. to Fantasy Island like as a kid. I so- was exposed to the Daffy Duck 
anthology movie where Speedy Gonzalez plays Herve Villachez. Well, this idea was like ex- kind of, I mean, I knew that it was a remake of an older show, but it was the whole idea of it was new to me. And I kind of loved it. It's Malcolm McDowell, Madshim and Mick, who mm-hmm. was from Twin Peaks, Shelly from Twin Peaks, um, mm-hmm. Louis Lombardi and Sylvia Sidney. And oh, Sylvia Sidney was like a million years old. Yeah, well, there, yeah, it was happening. And so there, Malcolm McDowell plays, you know, the, I don't know. I, I, w- I never watched old Fancy Island. This yeah. is the only one I was exposed to. So I guess the like person in charge of the Fancy Island and the idea was that like people came to his island and had these wishes mm-hmm. and then got their wishes. They came true, but then they didn't actually, wasn't what they wished for. You know, it was like, no a, be careful what you wish for. I don't know. And this we, was huge for me as like a little kid because it was such a fun idea and like a interesting conceit. So I was super into it. And the same day we get the first Cupid pilot. Yeah. I don't know if this happening again. Is it Rob Marshall? Oh, yes. N- no, Rob uh, Thomas. Rob Thomas. The Matchbox 20 guy. Nope. Yes. The Veronica Mars guy. The smoothest man in, in television. And I loved this season too. It's Jeremy Piven playing... The real Cupid? Cupid. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. not. He was in a mental institution, kind of mm. lost his mind. So his like caseworker, psychiatrist person kind of says, release him from the mental institution and I will keep an eye on him. And then much to her chagrin, they go on multiple hijinks to try to hook people up together because he thinks that he has to hook up 100 couples and then he can go back to being a celestial being. I don't know. Both of these pilots were super and seasons were super fun for me. I loved them so much. I'm probably going to revisit them. And last but not... Uh, wait, wait. How old were you, though? I was 98. I was 13. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so you're just developing taste. Yes. So taste, I'm just right? warning you, you might be very disappointed. Uh. And I know. When I was doing the research for this, I was watching clips and I was like, oh, I'm so intrigued by this because it's uh, hitting my nostalgia nerve really hard. But I'm kind of afraid to dive much deeper into this, but then I'm also very intrigued by it. And last but not least, SNL has its season uh, premiere. Cameron Diaz is the host. And I know we think this has happened on SNL the whole time, but this is the first time I remember something like this actually happening. This is the one where Dan Aykroyd comes on, or John Goodman comes on to just, he's not the host. He's mm-hmm. playing Linda Tripp mm-hmm. in the uh, Monica Lewinsky mm-hmm. saga. And there is another special guest that uh, comes in during the night at the Roxbury sketch. Don't spoil it for your friends. Hello, young super fox. We enjoy your big American breast. You must be impressed with our tight pants that enhance our bulge. Would you like to come surfing with us on the internet to the pornography sites? Hey, what's going on here? What's going on? Where are you guys with them? Well, because we are two island crazy guys. It's like an objectively oh terrible God. ending to a sketch, but like this, I love it so this much. didn't happen. Wow. This happens like every episode of SNL now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this didn't... I Trust me, I was a huge nerd at this point watching every week. This did not happen. Uh, as, uh, characters from the original season coming onto the, what, the 20th? No, no the, probably the 30th season mm-hmm. uh, doing that episode. Mm-hmm. The first Strick Brothers, uh, played by Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd, coming on with Chris Catanz and uh, Will Ferrell's Night of the Roxbury characters. Two, gyrate up against Cameron Diaz, Kyle which is a job it. everybody wanted. Let's speed it along. Uh, games of uh, 1998. I'm just throwing. I'm throwing you gamers a bone. 
Uh, Fallout 2 hits Windows, uh, and I'm guessing most Fallout plants have never played this. Uh, it is a top-down, not first-person uh, Fallout game for PC only. It has a lot of the DNA, and the, the world of Fallout is totally there. That system, all that stuff, just it's not the phenomenon it is today that Bethesda has made it. Uh, but it's a, the return of Fallout, which is a huge deal. Like, it's officially a franchise at this point. And we will take you out of 1998 with Invasion of the Flat Booty Snatchers. Mm. Uh, flat booty no, bitches. Try flat, it again. The, the Invasion of the Flat Booty Bitches. Hey, we have to be represented too sometimes. Disgusting. And, and Sarah will be off in a world where she has a flat booty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she'll probably return from that when we get back. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Went up to that retro lounge, and I had never played the Super NES Toy Story game before. Dude, that thing is crazy. It's a, a different type of game every level. Yeah. Uh, we went in, and they were like, no, no, no this game. Tim's it's like, awesome. oh, this game's so fun. And I'm like, no, there's no way in hell this game is good or fun. Uh, I, I deny you any, it's, any it's, aspect It's because it. the first level sucks. It's exactly what you think it is. It's Put a, the toys. There's a snake. Like, it's, it's, okay, yeah, it's a woody. It's a shitty, floaty, woody side-scroller. And then you just get into, like, <laughs> the driving RC Pro-Am portions and the flying buzz yeah. light years and, and a doom like, level where you find aliens yeah and then like the third stage woody straight up has a bionic commando style like he throws his string out mm -hmm. and is swinging on things i'm like okay and then halfway through that third stage i am just riveted by this donkey kong country level platforming <laughs> where i'm like every single jump i'm just like no 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 and I left that room go like, dude, this game rules, and I should have played it 20 years ago. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of september 21st through 27th uh yeah actually we got a couple fun things to talk about uh 75 years ago this week 1943 uh, man 43 has turned into be a disappointment year i mean just you, you start with casablanca it's all downhill from there i did not realize how good we had it last year when i was talking 42 and 67 those were both awesome years this year we got like here comes kelly's directed by william one-shot bodine Eh, okay, but 50 years ago this week, 1968, it's pretty much all really good across the board. We got uh, Charlie starring Cliff Robertson, the adaptation of Flowers for Algernon, um, which I remember watching in school and we all laughed because it was so late 60s, but, you know, it's good and he's really good in it. And uh, two I'm going to recommend, one good and one good bad. The good bad movie is Psych Out, starring Jack Nicholson, Dean Stockwell, and Susan Strasberg, which is one of my favorite hippie exploitation movies 
Jack Nicholson and Dean Stockwell are in like a band and they got long hair and headbands. And then I think Bruce Dern has a freak out down at the gallery and then starts running down the Golden Gate Bridge. It's just, it's so, so goofy. Cause it's like, it's made by young people for young people, but it still feels like old people trying to figure out what the hippies are about. The actual recommendation this week is what I think is probably John Cassavetes' best movie, Faces, starring his wife Jenna Rollins and John Marley and Seymour Cassell, and because it's, because it's Cassavetes, I don't know, Ben Gazzara's probably in there somewhere, or maybe Peter Falk, whatever, but it's a very painfully realistic movie about a couple as they're slowly teetering towards divorce. I admit I have not seen as many John Cassavetes movies as I should. I know actors all love him, but I find his stuff is very stagey, and it often kind of looks alike, because it's really about the actors and the emotions, and not so much about the visuals. But Faces I have seen, and uh, I found it just really moving and compelling and, like, extremely real feeling. That might even... uncomfortably so, even. So, uh, that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with So What by Pink, because it is number one this week, September 21st to 27th in 2008. Sometimes I can't with Pink, and then sometimes I can't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that is a banger breakup song. It's I love it. It's really good. But then sometimes with Pink, I'm like, all right, calm down, lady. Mm. And man, the, boy, the music releases have completely increased uh, yeah. this year. Oh, yeah. This week and like next week, like pretty much all of September, it's like, oh, and here's everything. So weird. I, I really, I, I feel like I have my head around the video game, movie, and television cycle, but not the music cycle. Same. Thought it was only summer, but maybe there's some fall jams to be had there too. Uh, but this will make everyone out there feel old, not mm-hmm. just oldies like me. Uh, we got new releases like like Mogwai. Mogwai has the Hawk is Howling, Dear Science by TV on the Radio, uh, Loyalty to Loyalty by the Cold War Kids. I mean, all of these music are synonymous with a double zero date to me. <laughs> I am just like weighing in. Dear Science is Great by TV on the Radio is also like, I love everything they do. Don't forget by Demi Lovato, Love, War, and the Ghost of uh, Whitey Ford by Everlast. What? Oh, full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, time a the con- shout out to their previous Whitey Ford Sings the Blues. No, it did. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound desperate at all. Uh, Time the Conqueror by Jackson Brown. Fearless by Jasmine uh, Sullivan. Acid Tongue by Jenny Lewis. So good, by the way. Jenny Lewis, lead singer of Rilo Kiley. Damn. Mm-hmm. Breaking out. Acid Tongue is excellent. Uh, and Star of the Wizard. Ah, he touched my breasts, right? What? No, it's true. It's yep. true. It's true. We can talk about it soon. Yay. Okay. Uh, Joe Thomas, New Man by Joe. Only the Night by Kings of Leon. Big Bad World by Plain White Tees. Doll Domination by the Pussycat Dolls. Black Sun by Ra. And Black Roses by uh, Rasmus. Holy shit. Is that enough music for everybody? Good. Mm. Because the movies aren't going to blow your socks off at all. That's no. The music covers something for everybody. But if I were to say Forever Strong, starring Sean Astin and Sean Paris... Right, I've never heard of this. Pen Badgley. Pen Badgley. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love a good Pen Badgley movie. Ooh, <laughs> here's and the thing. I 
XOXO Gossip Girl. Hello. Oh, okay. I guess girl heads will know this. I had never heard of this, and I watched the trailer, and I'm sorry I couldn't find a good clip, but it seems to be about, like, a juvenile delinquent who goes to, like, juvie and gets, like, built back up as part of the, um, the rugby team. It seems to be a rugby movie, but also, like, a pulling-yourself-together kind of teenage movie, like a com- coming-of-age kind of thing, what? but also inspirational. Okay. But I've never, we, I don't, as American rugby movies go, I think this is it. So good for them. <laughs> How are we going to get the lacrosse this movie we want so seminal American rugby movie. Okay. Oh, uh, Lucky Ones, by starring Rachel McAdams and Tim Robbins, Michael Pena. Uh, never heard of it. Yeah, another one um, with a good cast. And all the reviews said, oh, my God, it's like treacly and stupid. It's about uh, three strangers who are all fr- uh, from the military get stuck on a road trip together and there's like revealing of their inner problems and their cares. And Rachel McAdams needs to bring this guitar back to the family of the guy she served with who died. And we're not paying enough attention to the vets. And that's sad. Okay. I get it. I agree. But the show is long. Uh, Nights in uh, Rodanth. Old people. Fucking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just because you're of a certain age doesn't mean you can't have a treacly Nicholas Sparks romance movie. You just rub that estrogen cream right on and get to work. (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a Nicholas Sparks. Okay, that's all you got to know. Is the class a movie? I'm sorry. The class is a movie. The class is En film de Français, which won the Palme d'Or. Ah, yes. Uh, And it is about um, a class of students, the troubled kids. But a lot of them are played by like non-professionals, and it's supposed to be really, really good. And I'm sorry, I haven't caught up with it. It's there's too much to talk about this week. Goddamn, Miracle at Santa Ana. Is this a remake? Uh, oh, okay, all right. Let me uh. finish summarizing here. Miracle at Santa Ana is about black soldiers in World War II, and they end up in this town in Italy, and it's directed by Spike Lee. Right. And that's what it is. We, we need a good movie about the black World War II experience. Right. We mm-hmm. do not have enough of them. Mm. Apparently, this is not one of them. Oh, no. The reviews no. were savage. Right. Okay. I thought I thought Spike Lee wasn't going to come back now. from this. Okay. Because they were really fucking cruel to this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be... They, they did not like it, but we have to all remember during World War II, while we are fighting for equality and justice, we had a segregated army. Right. And... We need more movies about that. What was that yes. that, that uh, World War II documentary on Netflix? It's just like uh, black people polled said, like, I would feel exactly the same under Japanese uh, <laughs> Japanese rule <laughs> as I would American rule. I don't give a fuck. Like, mm, this, mm-hmm. what could be worse? Uh, oh, God. Fireproof. That's actually, I have, I have to say, well, we're going to get to it in oh, a year sorry. or two. But when we get to Captain America First Avenger... That actually bothered me more than like the super science of making a dude like a human Adonis was like, wait, he's got this like multi culty group with him. We were segregated back then, man. Mm-hmm. You'd not have a, a Japanese guy. He'd be with the 442. You would not have a black guy. He would be with a black brigade. Mm. I'm sorry. I didn't like the Rainbow Coalition and Captain America. Actually, I did. <laughs> they just weren't historically accurate. They're special yeah. forces. Okay. F- was he ever really a captain? No, I, I don't know about that, but he did fight alongside Namor and Human Torch and couldn't do so because of where those rights were. Oh, my God. Speaking of Human Torch, Fireproof. Fireproof. Fire, wow. Look what fire I Fireproof your marriage. That's what I know about I this. remember Free I was trying to look this up, but I don't... This movie doesn't deserve due diligence. Uh, it's... Oh, my God. What are they called? Re- okay. I really want to watch this as a semi-newlywed and <laughs> a huge skeptic. It's like, 
mm, maybe I should watch this and see what happens. And I just couldn't find the time. I couldn't find the time in my schedule for Kurt Cameron's bullshit. Well, I mean, that's fine. I didn't know that this is made. Technically, Sony bought this company. What are they called? Uh, uh, Affirm Films, mm. this highly Christian label. And this is their big, 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 big hit. And like, I remember reading about it in almost every, uh, every woke or woman person who wrote about, like, this is like actually offensive. Mm-hmm. This is actually an offensive film. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think Kurt Cameron's a firefighter who's addicted to internet porn oh, uh, and somehow right. finds his way back to marriage and love through uh, the Lord. Mm-hmm. When every one of your movies is solved by the Lord, my God, my God, how many times can people go see these things? Um, I remember like churches, big Baptist big churches and a big stuff, hit. like doing huge like showings of this, where people would show up for it. And... This is this is right before we had a billion streaming channels and a bunch of new mm-hmm. cable channels, and it was sort of like, oh, this demographic who's never had anything will mm-hmm. really show up for a film. It's. I, I feel like every maybe three or four, maybe once a, every three or four weeks, I feel like I look at our like AMC thing and there's, yeah, there's like there's one, one of these types like, of the films fuck is this? there. Yeah. We've never seen a trailer for this and it's, here it is. There, people are showying up for it enough mm-hmm. that they can make more and more every time. It's fine. Everyone needs, that's an audience that they've tapped said, this, into. It's this cool. movie was yeah. made for $500,000 and made $30 million domestically. Yeah. yeah. And I doubt mm-hmm. anywhere else. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's probably a little bit of an overseas market in other English-speaking countries. Very niche, yeah, you know. Super, I mean, Australia has a has a decent evangelical community. Super but, pious Italian yeah, town. Um, I'm going to spoil all these movies for you. The answer is going to church more. <laughs> yeah, it's God. It's all, the answer is always praying more often. I honestly yeah. feel uh, a little bad shitting on this without having seen it at all, and so. Um, since our comment show has been unlocked Oh, again, you unlocked it again. As a special prize, I think I might watch it, and then we can talk about it on the comment show, Keep and I'll let going, you know people. what I say. We have D&D pilots and new season of Elm Street Nightmare potentially yeah, to come. Yeah. Uh, if only you'll give us a little bit of support. People got to get paid. It's not just me. Uh, Towelhead. <laughs> Jesus. What All right, head? we got another theme here. Um, don't touch underage Girls. Are you kidding? That's what this is about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why the offensive title then? Well, go ahead and play the <laughs> clip. I was, I'm baffled. Yeah. Hi, we're the website. I am Rifat Marun, and this is my daughter, Jazira. From Academy Award winner Alan Ball. My dad doesn't wear a towel on his head. He's a Christian, just like everybody else in Texas. How do you find yourself when no one sees who you are? Doesn't Jazira look beautiful? Yeah, great. Critics are calling Towelhead. American Beauty meets Juno. Your parents don't speak Spanish at home? Aaron Eckhart, Tony Collette, Maria Bello, Peter McDesey, and Summer Bashil. Based on the acclaimed novel Towelhead. Rated R. <laughs> yeah, so they went with with the title. They tried well, out different they titles. They really go for it. They they did. They really go for it. They really went for it. They really go for it. I don't want to goad you into this uh, because <laughs> I've actually read a book and I can prove it. <gasps> Me too. With Chuck Palahniuk. Is this joke. the first time we've both read, read the, the same, same book? book? Other than uh, one, two, three, the Bible. <laughs> did we just freaky Friday our bodies? <laughs> we did. <laughs> we did. We just become best friends. Uh, wait, wait. Can I recommend Towelhead? <laughs> Please, sorry, guys. We're, we're really rushing because it is sorry. really good. And the the whole point is, you know, she's she's a Middle Eastern girl in Texas, and then she does have a a, a rather one sided, creepy relationship with her neighbor Aaron Heckart, who's assaults her and stuff. Cool. So I actually remember. Bad. I think I watched this. Like I kind of have. 
I, I'm pretty sure I watched this. It's actually a pretty good watch. It is also kind of disturbing for really? that stuff. Yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of. But yeah, just the, the some of the some of the girl coming of age stuff and feeling like the only minority mm -hmm. around that like I related to that. And I'm not even as obvious a minority as being Middle Eastern and everyone thinks you're Mexican because you're in Texas. Mm -hmm. And I but please. We can go on to choke. Them. And I related to being a sex addict who wants to be a Marvel character who directs a movie. Uh, because that all is rolled up into a very terrible description of choke. Yeah. Uh, the the directorial debut of Agent Coulson, uh, star of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Clark oh, Gregg. Right. Clark Gregg. Oh, right. husband of Baby. Yes, Baby who was cornered once. Never again. Only once. Never again. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Jennifer yeah, Gray? He's married oh, yes. to Jennifer Gray. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, Asian Coulson, uh, he, it, uh, he, he, I think, pushed a company, uh, his buddy's company, to get the rights to a Chuck Palahniuk book. Because for some fucking reason, like after Fight Club is a huge hit, like, dude, where are all the Chuck Palahniuk adaptations? Yeah. Homeboy writes a movie it's once a year. Uh, that guy kind of rules. Mm -hmm. um, but, but uh. And Choke is the most adaptable book. You think uh, so? I do. I, I, I do in terms of like, if you want to make an independent film okay. uh, out of something and not travel to a lot of locations, mostly like a Civil War reenactment site and a, uh, <laughs> yeah. a hospitals. Yeah. Uh, choke is for you. But it also is, is not to be denied. It is the first ever Sam Rockwell starring joint, period. Like somebody had enough faith in him. This be, is the first one. For yeah, him? like he'd been he'd been the a, a minor player or like a second lead and a bunch of other stuff, but okay. like he's got to carry this movie. Yeah, it's all about him, uh, a sex addict who takes care of his mother in a hospital and falls mm -hmm. for a woman who probably is a doctor. I'm not trying to spoil the film. All I had to do was answer one simple question: What would Jesus not do? You can't fool people into loving you. My bad. Apparently, you're capable of having sex with everyone but me. The fact that some part of you resisted turning this into the usual nothing? I think maybe I'm one I'd like you instead. Maybe you're not so bad after all. No, dude, I am. I really am. Hey, you changed your hair. Yeah, because of what you said about blondes getting skin cancer. Oh, my God. Good thinking. I just want oh, you don't want to know how many times... Gillian Jacobs played a stripper. It's great. It's wow. all over. It's all over. <laughs> okay, but this doesn't like the the one of the big conceits of the mm -hmm. novel. I know is that he like stages choking yeah. scenes mm -hmm. in restaurants, restaurants. Mm -hmm. in order to get money. attention, free meal, money. Yeah. Uh, There's yes. also a very disturbing scene. I don't know if this happens in the movie because I never saw it, but in the book, where is the anal bead situation? That is not in the movie. I okay. Think. I think it's. I think it's implied. You got to read happens, the book for that. Then but, it's I mean, it, very disturbing. It wouldn't be a Chuck Palahniuk movie post Fight Club unless if, uh, some, someone's asshole turned inside out. Yeah. Looking at you, guts. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, this movie is but, totally not bad. Uh, it's just okay. I don't see. You know. I'm I know Michael, my husband, read the book, and he wanted to see it, and I was sort of like, eh, I don't know, it looks a little too laddish, but if it's got Kelly McDonald in it, I am already on board. Hey, Kelly McDonald is an amazing actress, mm. and I've never seen her do bad work, and I don't think she would make a bad decision. Now, did anybody... Please adopt me, Kelly McDonald. You're like two years older than me, but whatever. <laughs> uh, did anybody even see the number one movie of this week? Oh, I saw it. Oh, thank I God. I barely remember, but yes. I don't remember. Because <laughs> uh, like, every time I think about, like, is this Disturbia? No, it can't be. Yeah, no, I definitely uh, know that I saw this. I just barely remember anything about it because it's that. This is like Shia LaBeouf's Enemy of the State. Yeah. Right? Yes. Precisely. That's Precisely. Exactly uh, but Shia LaBeouf, Michelle Monaghan, Billy Bob Thornton, Rosario Dawson, and Eagle Eye. 
Save tonight. Hello? The FBI will arrive at your apartment in 30 seconds. You must flee the premises. Who is this? No, none of this is mine! You know you got the wrong guy, right? Oh, obviously. Somebody set me up. Here's the thing, Jerry. You're in a load of trouble, son. Rachel Holloman, look in the window. Would you risk your life for your son? Who are you? There's a car parked at the corner of this block. The keys are in the ignition. Start walking. Time for your phone call. All right, Eagle Eye. Eagle Eye, baby. It's number one at the box office and kind of like the continued trajectory of Shia LaBeouf. The, the boy can carry a movie, it looks like. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf mm-hmm. is a conundrum. I Indeed. kind of love the dude. Me too. Yep, I really do. I, I, I haven't seen a ton of his films. I've loved him Stevens and... I don't Where know I saw him, I to. saw him in a free preview on like fucking ABC. I'm like, this dude is really good. <laughs> this Shia <laughs> LaBeouf kid. I I wish he would do more comedy because mm-hmm. honestly, he was hol- he was great. He's, he's playing himself Stevens in his own biopic or something like that. Yeah, right? like <sighs> I don't know. He's got to figure out what he's doing. He's a James Franco type. He's too busy hiding a flag from alt-right people. That is a that I think that's like a pretty <laughs> dated reference at this point. I don't even know what that means. Um, but let's move into television real quick. Sorry, two thousand eight. We got very little time for you. Mm. Not only well, look, there's not enough nostalgia built up because mm-hmm. who gives a fuck about the Emmys of two thousand eight? I oh, went I through. I remember this one. I went through and looked through them because I want like Tina Fey was really mad in a couple of like Thirty Rock speeches, mm-hmm. and this was not one of them. Yeah, those are always real funny. I just remember this Emmys because it was notoriously bad because of the hosting they decided like oh god reality tv was such a big deal let's just make a bunch of reality tv hosts be our emmy hosts mm-hmm. and so they got <laughs> heidi klum tom bergeron jeff wow. probst heidi howie Man- howie mandel mm-hmm. and ryan sequest and sequest See, ryan sequest <laughs> god damn oh that's my new form name <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Ryan Sequest. Yeah, it is the end of a very long day. <laughs> I hate you all. But, but you're right, because I, I thought I it went was looking through. terrible. Tina I remember Fey watching won this. like three Emmys tonight. Mm-hmm. And I remember in one of her speeches, she's like, uh, and her speech was just like, I'm sorry, NBC, my show is more expensive than Jay Leno's talk show and walked off stage. <laughs> <laughs> but this wasn't the one. She was like super appreciative. Like 30 Rock was kind of struggling. Mm. little did we know it would be one of those shows that held up way more than almost anything else that mm-hmm. won awards uh, John Adams anyone we all talk about John yeah. Adams all the way all the way long mm-hmm. the big winners it once it was good never gonna watch it again or Glenn Close's Damages oh I watched Timeless. the shit out of Damages oh, and it's damages. great I really like it didn't like it didn't like it uh, oh buddy. recount though you know what I did watch the recount Helen. was so damn good so good and, and all shot in my hometown Yes, and, uh, my hometown too. Some of the best explanations of simplifying all the shenanigans around the 2000 presidential vote, mm-hmm. like why punch cards aren't good, but you know it's got Kevin Spacey in it, so that Mars it a tiny bit now, a tiny bit, but it's got Dennis Leary in it. So yeah, perfect. and also my husband's most favorite star sighting, Bob Alabam. Bob Alabam <gasps> saw him here filming. Saw recount. him at the airport. My husband awesome. loves that story, and I love it too because Bob Alabam is the best. Whew. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, there's a big television debut. Mm-hmm. I and remember it, this. It's sadly so much. really big. Uh, ugh, let me hear this song. Shortest theme song of all time. Is it? 
I don't Lost know. Lost has got it beat. Lost has it. That's Sorry. right. That's right. Um, but heroes. Yeah. And back when I used to tweet a bunch, I think I got no more retweets than like it just a succinct. I regret very few things in my life more than the time I spent watching heroes. Agreed. And because it was mm-hmm. like hella strong, but yeah. like again, you got to go back to that world. Like the first, the first two Marvel movies that are out. The superhero game is hot. And it's anybody's game. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tim Kring and NBC like struck while the iron was hot and made a fucking superhero show. And for a couple episodes, it was really good. And then it showed really you that good. like ev- even Lost and everyone aping the Lost model was spinning their fucking wheels, had no idea where they were going. It's and so they- frustrating too because like the concept is great. They right. could have done yeah. something amazing. A bunch of people wake up on the same day and experience it. superpowers. Mm-hmm. It's fuck. It's a good concept. In mm-hmm. fact, the first couple episodes, maybe even the whole first season, is fairly strong. Well mm-hmm. shot, well paced, great acting. Uh, I would say the first season's great. I think you could. There's some moments. <laughs> there's like there's like this. I love that. Like uh, like the third episode of the last episode is a five year in the future jump that they're trying to prevent, which they do. I'm like. That was the best episode where everyone has their own powers and decided whether they're good or evil. Like, you don't have any of that yet. It's just a bunch of fucking wieners hiding their powers from people. Uh, and, and the show continued to suck so much more after this. So bad. So I think, bad. I think I held on for two seasons. And I, I remember, like, I tuned in, like, what's the third season up to? I'm like, is that the main villain, Silas, riding around in a cop car and his partner is the cop? Co- Fuck this show. Mm. Because it was like the introduction to a bunch of actors we would end up seeing. Zachary Quinto, I think, being the most prominent. I thought mm-hmm. he was fucking great in this show. Yep, yep. As Milo Ventimiglia. Hayden Pantiera. So many Hayden actors yeah. whose names we cannot pronounce. Um, Hayden Pantiera had been around for a while, just sort yeah. of popping in and out of stuff. Yeah, so and cool and Greg Grimberg. Yeah, I got to pop up in his buddy J.J. Abrams shit, but like this is a good role for him. Mm-hmm. Uh Little Stallone, I forget his name, but he would play uh, he would play Sylvester Stallone's kid in at oh. least one or two movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's Milo Vincent. My bad, looks just like him. Um, but yeah, it all went off the rails so fast. That's it what did. happens when you don't have a roadmap. When you build yeah. a bunch of needless mystery, let Lost be a lesson to us all. Let it be your guide to creating a guide. Mm-hmm. Like they should have done that because heroes like. There's a ton of competence behind it. And then I just remember the first episode of the last season, everyone goes back in time. Yeah. Man, fuck you. <laughs> like, that, that, that makes everything meaningless. Um, anyway, sorry. I, uh, speaking of shows, I will not give a short shrift to. How about The Mentalist? Yeah, which debuts. The most CBS show to ever CBS. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's show, it follows a former, quote unquote, psychic. Mm-hmm who is becomes a consultant to the California Bureau of Investigation, which I looked up because I did not realize that was a thing. It's a real thing. You don't know the CBI? No, I do I got to show you my wallet. And basically, it's just him using observational skills to read, quote unquote, people's minds, just like fucking House or Thrumbers or any other like genius shows where they like solve crimes. I don't know. It's a good show to watch maybe when you're hungover <laughs> in a hotel room. Oh, um, But Simon Baker, Robin Tunney, Tim Kang, and Owain Yeoman. And yes, with great, apolo- to <laughs> with great apologies oh, to your parents names. for not talking long enough about yeah, the fucking sorry, mentalist. parents. Anyway, like games of 2008, almost too many to mention, but I can rattle them off as I can. Civ 4 Colonization Pack comes out. Uh, Kirby Superstar Ultra and Wipeout HD come out on their respective platforms. Kind of... Uh, remakes uh, 
of classic old games. Brothers in Arms Hell's Highway, before they made uh, Battleborn and Borderlands, uh, Gearbox was making these World War II games, and this is, it's been 10 years since the series has been on a current gen console and they've had a ton of canceled shit ever since but like i thought we would have had this series forever uh another series we're going to celebrate the second version of since this day since this week 20 years ago or 10 years ago mega man 9 which was crazy diana do you know anything about mega man 9 was that not talked about it was the biggest thing in my world and that was before i ever worked with the the company that made the game Mega Man 9 was a game that came out, uh, and it was the first sequel to Mega Man in about 10 years, and it was called Part 9, and it was made to look like a Nintendo Entertainment System game. 8-bit, it even had an option to, like, do you want us to put in, like, the graphical shit that drops out because the processor wasn't good enough to... (laughs) We can make this look as if it's running through an NES, as it's stuttering and shit is disappearing, if you want us to. I thought they got the wrong message from it, that Mega Man was hard. Uh, I never found the Mega Man games to be very hard, and I this is the only one I really liked. Mega Man 10 really bugged me, but Mega Man 11 looks fucking rad and is out in a few weeks. But Mega Man 9 was kind of like the rebirth of classic uh, Mega Man. And it's a huge deal for me as someone who almost got a Mega Man tattoo. And if I would have let Brett talk me Ugh. into it, he would have been in his jump pose, crucifixed, uh, <laughs> crucified on a cross. <laughs> oh my. It's still, it's still like funny, like I kind of wish I would have done that. That would have been, mm. been fun. Uh, but that is about it for our show. We usually grab comments, but you motherfuckers just unlocked the comment show Yay, again. Hey, good on you. I'm so glad you did because combined, you're so much smarter than any of us could so be true. given our all of our knowledge and research because you really clarified a bunch of things. We hope to uh, put one of those up in September on patreon.com slash laser time. You can also find o- over 100 full-length commentaries over there, a weekly and exclusive uh, ad-free bonus show. And uh, as well as a bunch of other exclusives like video commentaries, uh, playing games with us, and a, a bunch of other stuff. It really helps us out, and it doesn't cost you that much. We're just trying to make it worth your while, and we do appreciate everyone uh, who donates to us. Uh, you can find me at, I don't know, Cantiste on Twitter, uh, Facebook, but, you know, look up Laser Time Show, and maybe, um, you know, the show's in a weird spot. Let me just say without teasing too much. Oh, the Reddit's going to go nuts. Uh, but but uh, <laughs> but uh, give us a share. Tell a friend. We always want to mm-hmm. encourage you to do that. Maybe what, Sarah? Review us where? Review us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. That's still a thing, y'all. And it still makes Yay. a difference. Definitely mm-hmm. rate us and review us on iTunes. Only good reviews, though. Yeah. Don't review us if you don't like us. Why are you listening? Or Spotify, which you can find us on, as mm-hmm. well as Laser Time. You can find us there. Um, and we do thank you guys uh, for spreading the good word. It, it's like a little thing you can do that helps us out and if you don't want to give us a couple dollars uh directly hey man help us out come on we help you out don't we you spend enough time with it you want me to go away for us to go away forever (laughs) okay this has got weird (laughs) my cat just walked out of the room it's the most independent she's ever seen (laughs) diana where can we find you uh you can find me on the twitter at listeninerd l-e-c-i-n-e-n-e-r-d or at 302010 podcast where I tease what's coming up. And if you got tips, we've actually, someone sent a tip, I think we have it next week, that's like, oh, thank God. I didn't know the date for that, but I knew it was coming up. So yeah, send us like your tips, your comments or whatevers. Absolutely. And find our Laser Time Facebook group. It is an extremely positive, excellent group. 
everyone's very excellent to each other, and there's a lot of knowledge sharing there, and just really yeah, and great Yeah, if you're people. not going to go to our website and comment there, like some of the stuff there is pretty illuminating, mm-hmm. um, and you can find it all there mm-hmm. all the time on uh, the Laser Time community on Facebook. Just search Laser Time community and ask for permission to come in. We'll allow you in. Great, good people mm-hmm. over there. Yeah. Diana, who died? <laughs> Oh, we got two bad deaths this week, man. Yeah. Uh, 1998, 10 years after her Seoul Olympic glory, we lost Flojo, Florence Griffith Joyner. She was only 38. It's tragic. It's, it's so unfair. Apparently suffocated due to a seizure in her sleep. Yep. Which that terrifies me to know. Oh, you can do that? Oh, crap. Oh, you can be an elite athlete and do that? <laughs> cool. Yeah, uh, great. We're all doomed. Yeah. You never know if you're going to wake up tomorrow. So just tell everyone you love them, I guess. And... Am I not, how the fuck did this next person die? I feel like he should have lived another couple of years. I feel like 2008, that's when we lost the last good human being. And his <laughs> name was Paul Newman, and oh. he was 83. Paul Newman was such a fucking cool guy yep. in every sense of the word. And he's responsible for me being heterosexual. <gasps> oh, <laughs> not many people can say that. He's no, this is this is a true story. I mean, I've just I've always been a fan because he's just he's been an amazing actor, an interesting you know person, and a great humanitarian. But look, when I was twelve or possibly thirteen, I was bullied a lot in school, and I was called a lesbian all the time. And I was sort of like, well, I don't know, maybe I am. I don't know, just whatever. I don't have any particular feelings either way. And I was sick at home one day, and Cat on a Hot Tin Roof came on. <laughs> now, if ever I was going to want to have sex with a woman, it would be Liz Taylor in that movie. But I saw Paul Newman come on screen, and I literally had the thought, I want to kiss boys. Oh. Wow. wow. And that's when I realized I was straight. That's like me and Miss Pac-Man. That's like me and Doogie Howser. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had sure Everyone's reciprocate. got that one, that moment where it's just like, boom, I think I know what I am now. Yeah. It's just like he was in... Like his some of his best films are with Robert Redford, and like Robert Redford's walking around like it ain't no thing. How, mm-hmm. how the fuck did we lose Paul Newman ten years ago? Well, he was older in the first place. I really like that guy. But all but, his oh, dressing. he was so good, and his his saccharoni pasta sauce is my jam. <laughs> Ooh, I, I like his fake Oreos. I the regular kind is okay, but saccharoni is the good one. I loved his pink lemonade, which is mm. now I can't find anywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, and all that money goes to also charity. Also, the movies. And- <laughs> He's just a fucking cool guy. Like, go watch some Paul Newman movies, yo. Yeah, and it's like it's like no fucking around. All of that goes to charity. Paul Newman, a guy with that, like, who lived a mad, interesting life, major movie star, and not a real scandal. Nope. Stayed married to his wife the whole time. A man who might hold up in the Me Too age, like from old Hollywood. I think that's fucking Possibly. nuts. Yeah. Uh, but Paul Newman, man, really, really, like. Just he was one of the few signs of quality. If you see him in a movie that's coming up on like your cable or on your Netflix, like Mm -hmm. it's probably okay. The dude was like pretty picky with what he did. Yeah, that's Uh, true. Even some of his early stuff that's not very good, mm -hmm. there's still good stuff in it. And it's like, okay. Yeah, man. I still enjoy looking at you, though, Paul. Well, thank God he's still on every grocery aisle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can see him in every pasta um, aisle. On every on, on some some cheap salsa. All right, are you ready for birthday quiz? Okay, so if I start listing the movies of this person, I'll give it away. So we're gonna do something a little bit different. Okay. Born September twenty fifth, nineteen sixty eight, turning fifty years old. We have a two time Oscar nominee. Whose films have grossed more than $7 billion. <gasps> $7 okay. billion. I think he went to the same high school as my grandmother. 
Okay. Okay. Some of the characters he has played are James Edwards III, Mike Lowry, Stephen Hiller, Robert Dean, Del Spooner, Alex Hitchens, Chris Gardner, mm-hmm. Bennett Omalu, James West, Cypher Rage. Uh, Cypher Rage. It's not, Ma- not. It's not Matthew Lillard. Muhammad Ali. Will oh, Smith. Will Smith. There you go. God Thank damn. you for stopping me before I got to Bagger Vance. Oh, okay. I think we got that at the same time. No. Yeah, no, we definitely, definitely did. Got it first. No. We In my head, I got it first. Well, that doesn't count. That's how the audience is yeah. judging. Now, I mean, I could have made that a race to the finish by just saying he was West for Philadelphia born and raised and just see how fast. <laughs> but, and it's true. West Philly. Woo. Hmm. Uh, and I got to say, thank you so much for listening to uh, 302010. That really does conclude the show. Uh, this show is executive produced by Ashton Johnson and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. It's how we survive. Uh, we're going to see you guys next week, but we're going to take you out with uh, a little Kings of Leon. Sex oh, is on fire. Pro love tip, this song. If you, want to, uh, if you want to do a funny version of this in karaoke, you can definitely squeeze in butt instead of your. And it'll just say butt sex is on fire. Okay. It kills, man, every time. Also, pro tip, if your sex is on fire, get an antibiotic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure this is, we're angering someone with a great fetish right now. Uh, take us out, KOL. Yeah!